Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I am Joe Stark, and today I have got Rebecca Daling on the podcast. Um, if you listen to the Leftover Army podcast at all, you will immediately recognize that name. <laughs> uh, Rebecca is on the Ladies of the Leftover Army podcast that uh, generally feature uh, ladies talking about geek culture stuff, and it is always an excellent listen. And uh, she's also been featured on several other uh, podcasts that uh, that I've listened to, and I've always enjoyed listening to her take on things. I think um, I think Rebecca is is really awesome. <laughs> I mean, not only does you know she get down with a lot of this geek stuff, but she's really into running, and I enjoy when she posts on Facebook about her runs because um, I'm in a place right now in my life where um, I've let fitness slide. And I need to get back on it. <laughs> and I need to be better about uh, motivating myself to do these sorts of things. And when I read her posts about, you know, just ran three miles today, just did one mile today, you know, whatever it is, it's it fires me up and it, it, it inspires me. It makes me want to get up and do something too. And um, so I was really excited to have her on today. And I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to talk with her. Um, and you know, beyond, beyond the geek stuff and, and the running, um, one of the things that I really was looking forward to talking to her about was what it's like to live in the most populous city in America. Uh, Rebecca lives in New York. Uh, she lives in Queens specifically and me, my entire life, I've lived in a, a really small town and it was really cool to get that different perspective and talk to her about some different things. And and man, did we talk. This is the longest episode of StarkCast to date, and I am so excited to finally get it uploaded, and I hope you all enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed um, uh, talking with Rebecca. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Daling. Okay. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Rebecca? I am doing great. How are you, Joe? I am really good. <laughs> Glad we got this going. <laughs> yes, me too. After all my uh, terrible mishaps, here I am. I finally figured it out. <laughs> I remember when uh, when my wife and I got married. Um, uh, that's funny. I remember the memory. I don't remember who said it at the time, but they were saying, any mistakes that happen, you're just making memories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made like, a lot a good of, way to look at it. Yeah. I made a lot of memories this evening of Rebecca <laughs> not figuring out how to work her Skype for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> well, at heart, yeah. I am, I am like a 90 year old lady who's like, how do I use the computer? Like, I, that's me. I, deep down, I am a 90-year-old lady who does not know how to use her computer. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I figured it out. <laughs> that just gave me a vision when I was a little kid. And uh, mom and dad gave my grandma a VCR. And she was just like terrified of it. <laughs> I bet. She's, she's like, oh, I, I won't use that. I won't use that. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what's funny? Um, my my grandparents, 
uh, after, gosh, how many years? My my mom bought them uh, a microwave for the very first time. And my grandmother was terrified of this thing. She wouldn't touch it. She would not. <laughs> she refused to go like it was somehow going to bite her. And she was like, no, I can't. I cannot use this to warm food. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, she she was terrified of it. Um, it was it took her. I think it took her a whole year of just looking at it before she tried it. And, oh. and then she was like, oh, well, this won't kill me. All right, I'll use it now. <laughs> um. Okay, here's a fun fact about me. Uh, we haven't had a microwave in our house in like a decade. Are you serious? I know. I know. Isn't that weird? How is that possible? <laughs> you guys like have like an open fire pit and you roast meat like just on a spit. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I actually do have a fire pit in the backyard that I use all the time in the summer. Oh, that's so cool, actually. I'm jealous. <laughs> Oh, I've got a tripod that my grandpa had made me, the you know, the kind that you'd use for camping or whatever. Yeah, I use mm-hmm. it in my backyard all the time. Oh, that's sweet. And what's funny, too, is that when my wife's in the summer, she's like, oh, we should cook out tonight. And if I say, okay, do you want charcoal, do you want gas, or do you want wood? <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to do it over the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. That's, I mean, we, we have a barbecue in our backyard, but it's 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 a propane tank. Um, which is, I guess maybe that's not really barbecue, but it's, it's what we have. Um, but yeah, it's the fastest it is, but there's nothing that beats that, that taste, you know, that you get from, from cooking over wood. There's nothing beats that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets that nice, like, uh, smoky flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The only times I really miss having a microwave is, um, like this morning for breakfast, I had leftover, uh, sausage and gravy biscuits. Mm-hmm. And so I had to warm up the leftover sausage gravy in like a, a frying pan, like a saute pan. Right, that. right. <laughs> and so it's like, all right. Okay, it's going to take a little longer. <laughs> but the, literally what it comes down to is that we've got like a fairly small house. And so mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of space, like counter space in our kitchen. And the first microwave we got was this big Cadillac of a microwave. And it took mm-hmm. up so much space that eventually we were like, okay, we need this counter space. We'll just hook up the microwave when we use it. Right. And then it ended up, we never got it out because the thing was so big. It was a pain in the ass to drag out <laughs> from the spare bedroom and set up. That eventually my my mother-in-law was like, hey, we need a new microwave. You guys don't use yours. And we're like, take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we don't use it, might as well give it away. <laughs> yeah. So now I fantasize about getting some really small microwave, but I don't know. I've gotten along so well without one. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I think it's just become such a modern convenience. It seems crazy not to have one. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's certainly convenient. <laughs> but I do remember, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, I remember warming stuff up on the stove. I remember we had these little skillets and we would, you know, just to do like a one serving thing and we'd warm it up on the stovetop and and. Yeah, I remember that too. And then I remember when we got a microwave for the first time. I was a I was a kid, like maybe preteens around then, and uh, it, it was huge. I, I think it was probably the same size as your giant Cadillac <laughs> microwave. <laughs> but it would it have was, a tiny little door, right? Exactly, a tiny little door. And I think it had the knob I, rather than like the oh, totally. the touch panel. It had the knob. And then when we upgraded, quote unquote, uh, to a new one. 
this one had like a popcorn setting. So we were like, woo, living large. <laughs> we were like very excited about that. But I, I do remember for sure pre microwave. Absolutely. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that big old microwave like that, they uh, made me think that when my wife and I were looking for our first house, we, did this one where we walked in and it was immediately like a super seventies feel. Cause like everything was that weird, like lime green color. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh God, lime green. And they uh, had the original microwave in the kitchen and the thing was gigantic, but I it had this it. tiny little door in a compartment and yeah, it had the <laughs> dial setting on it. And it was like, Oh my gosh, I'd almost be embarrassed to show a house with a microwave this old. In it. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh man, that was I, you know, I, I was born in the, in the late seventies, so I remember a lot of that stuff um, because you know we were. I, I come from a family of like, like mildly hoarders. We're, we're, we we mildly hoard things, and so um, my my grandparents who lived with us never threw anything away, anything. So. And most of the stuff in our house was not very modern for the for the time that it was. It was at least five, 10 or more years older. Um, so talk about like culture shock. I'd go like to my friend's house who had like maybe something more up to date. And I'd be like, Oh my God, this is like the future. What is this? <laughs> and they would be like, Oh, it's just like the regular thing that came out last year. And I'd be like, Holy crap. We have like this really old thing at home. And <laughs> I grew up with like all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I grew up very retro for the time I was born in. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, I remember when my mom and dad bought the house that they actually still live in today, mm -hmm. but they got it when I was when I was seven years old. So yeah, that had been like thirty years ago. But they got it, and it was very seventies. Like everything was lime green. Like everything mm -hmm. was lime mm -hmm. green the kitchen counters were like a weird marbled lime green all the walls were that <laughs> color and uh there was very odd landscaping in the yard it was all railroad ties and like log chains oh my god what the heck <laughs> happened in the 70s that there was so <laughs> much know. lime like did we as a nation collectively buy everything lime green by accident and it was I like, oh, so. we better use this up. Just, just here, give some to everybody. Like, <laughs> what is that? So weird. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. The, the way that they portray that 70s look in Legion looks really cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, those little jumpsuits they were wearing in like the first episode, I was like, that's almost kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it was very like, I remember watching the first episode and going like, does this take place now or in the 60s or the 70s? And then, but they've got like tablets and modern stuff. So I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, one, it's yeah. one of those, we don't really know what time it is and it's not really important. So just here, enjoy this. Um, But it's, it is cool. I, I have to say like, for being born in the late 70s, um, you know, obviously, like, when you're a kid, you don't get to control, like, what you watch or listen to. So I grew up watching and listening to all of my parents, like, 50s and 60s stuff that they loved. And which is, like, a good thing because I have an appreciation for, like, Elvis Presley and the Beatles, which probably most people my age don't have. Um, so when, when I watch that show... 
I'm taken right back to like looking at my parents' old pictures and listening to that music. And it, it has that same feel. So it, it has that same 60s, 70s feel, which is, which is pretty cool, which what makes the show really interesting too. Yeah. The show is really, really deep. Mm-hmm. Like on on like many different levels, and yeah, it does it. It's got that vibe where it does take you back to mm-hmm. that. And I was born in 1980, so I'm not too far off from you. You young whippersnapper, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like, yeah, we're 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 just a couple years apart, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I didn't grow up listening to the Beatles at all, but I got into a Beatles kick in my probably like my mid twenties and I ended up collecting mm-hmm. their whole discography. Oh, nice. And yeah. They had, I don't know. And I also found out that you can fit all the MP3s on a standard CDR. Oh, really? That's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Which may or may not come in handy, you know? <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your favorite Beatles song? Do you have a favorite? Oh, Oh, that's a really hard question. I know, I know. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. I asked you that, but um. well, the I think the thing that makes it such a hard question is because they have so many different styles, really, of music that right. they did really well. I mean, just if you just look at the White album, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you for know, sure. because every other one of their albums really kind of had like a real tone to it. And I really feel like right around like rubber soul and revolver is where they kind of made that turn from like the earlier stuff was like very poppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you I know, agree. There's lots of covers and stuff in it that, you know, I mean, they were obviously, you know, they were like the, the 1960s equivalent of what like one direction is right now. You know, I mean, just like something yeah. that shows up and just makes, you know, the girls scream and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're playing pop music that isn't, you know, it sounds great, but I mean, it's really, I, I hate to call the Beatles disposable, but basically like modern pop music, I would call like totally disposable music. Right, right. You know, I mean, nobody's really, I mean, you know, Luther Shaver aside, nobody's really listening to Britney Spears. You know, <laughs> hit me one more time. <laughs> that was my jam back in the day. That, I used to love that song. I, I did. I that was Britney Spears is like a guilty pleasure for me. It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Wow. That's excellent. <laughs> Although, I mean, for the time I was born in, we want to talk about like disposable music. I don't think it's disposable. But when I was a when I was a, a, a young girl, my boy band was New Kids on the Block. And I still I still love them. I don't care what anybody says. I still love them. I loved them back when I was 13 years old. And then they broke up like in 94 and I was devastated. And then they reunited in the 2000s and they're still together and they're still like making music and going on tour and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I know none of their songs are like, you know, Grammy award winning or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it when I was when, when I was younger. That was my boy band. That was, uh, you know, that was my one direction was was uh, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> Yeah, well, you you would think by its very nature, pop music is just meant to be like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it kind of is because I I'd love to get on here and say, oh yes, I only listen to the classical station and it's incredible, and I love this third movement in in the fifth sonata. <laughs> I I but I'm not that person, and I'm just not. So I yeah, I, I enjoy pop music as much as the next person does and uh yeah it is a guilty pleasure and i probably should be listening to something more highbrow but i enjoy pop music <laughs> <still>. <laughs> well 
my wife recently got me listening to pop music and I was always very anti-pop music for a very mm-hmm. long time. And then uh, she would get on our our iTunes account, which is technically my iTunes account. But no, no, buy... it's your shared account. Get that straight. <laughs> okay, well, there it's you not go. yours, it's yours, the collective <laughs> your. Get that straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was saying technically mine because of my email, but yeah, I'm gonna totally concede you that point. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> because if you look at like the music that's been bought by her and the music that's been picked out by me, it is way more skewed in her direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but What's funny is that she would get those on our on on our desktop PC, but they would show up automatically on my iPhone since it was connected to that account. Right. And so I'd put my phone on shuffle when I'd be like out in the like the climbing gym or whatever, and like I'd be starting to enjoy these songs, and then other people in the gym would start to notice, and they go, "Your wife picked out this song, didn't she?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can tell it's a big difference. It's not. <laughs> You know, it's not like dubstep or like Rage Against the Machine or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it is funny. She's gotten me listen to pop, but but um, but yeah, with the with the Beatles, mm-hmm. like what I was saying with the White Album is that you could really tell that that was at a point when the every member of the band was going in their own direction. Oh yeah, I agree. And so you know, it's really not that surprising that you know they. What they do, like one or two more albums after that, they do like Abbey Road and Let It Be, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, I I don't think there were many more af- after the White Album. Yeah, but if I had to pick out one album that would be my favorite, I'd say it'd be Revolver. But I don't know if my favorite song would be on Revolver. It's, mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to pick out just one I know. song. <laughs> it, it is hard. Yeah, I know. I know it is. Did you ever hear about all that stuff with um, their catalog went up for sale and Michael Jackson bought it and then Paul McCartney was trying to buy it off him, but he wouldn't sell it back to him? That was insane. That That blew my mind. Nuts that Michael Jackson bought up their entire catalog and McCartney couldn't buy it back. That's like crazy to me. In the, the fact that Michael Jackson was an artist that made his own music and was like, fiercely protective of you know the rights of it and stuff but he wouldn't give that to like because like paul mccartney the in the article i read he was even offering to pay more than he had paid for it and he was still like no no i'm gonna be able to make commercials out of this and make money it's like oh that's just that seems like such a low blow and they even collaborated together ebony and ivory i know oh god (laughs) you know i but you know, Michael Jackson was such a total weirdo. Like, just doing that doesn't like shock me, I suppose. But I mean, it's kind of a low blow. Like, like you said, he's an artist himself. He was an artist himself, and you would think he would be more sympathetic to another artist. And uh, I don't know, Mike Michael Jackson was a total weirdo, and <laughs> so. But uh, I, I also did read actually a very interesting article that. Apparently, like when 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 Apple really started like building their their library of, of iTunes, you know, one of the first people they approached was Paul McCartney. Like they wanted him to put his whole um, collection, like that he did, you know, a- after the Beatles on there. And his answer was, you know what? I'm not really sure about this whole Apple thing. I'm not sure about this whole iTunes thing. I'm gonna uh, this whole MP3 thing. So I'm gonna wait and see how this all plays out. So he basically waited years. And then finally said, okay, 
you can put my my stuff on there. It looks like it's going to stick around for a while. And yeah, he was like really resistant to doing it because he didn't think it was going to last. <laughs> yeah, and how wrong did he end up being? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, like he waited, like, let's see if this fad lasts. And like, you know, 10 years later, everybody has their, you know, iPhone, Android, whatever. And yeah, it's it's here to stay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's like there was a story that uh, when Mark Marin first got into podcasting, his his old manager had looked at him and said, why are you doing this internet thing? This is ridiculous. You're like <laughs> releasing content for free. What is a podcast? And then like fast forward several years and he's got President Obama in his garage wow. on a podcast. Like, wow. That, that's, that's crazy. Wow. I know. How, how much was that manager <laughs> kicking himself in the pants? Oh, it's always <laughs> like that though, right? Like it's always like that. Like, People who get out from something when, you know, it's just starting and they think, ah, that's not going to last. That's just a fad. And then the next thing you know, it blows up huge. And then they're like, ah, I kicked myself for not doing that. And yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, always, it's always like that. But I, I think it's I think it's interesting to me that there are people out there who can look at something and go, this is not just a fad. This is going to be here to stay. And I'm going to invest my time and my money in this. And like, that's just amazing to me. I, I admire people like that so much um, who can see the value of something beyond just the face value. You know, like they could see the long term of it. And I, I so admire people who, who can do that. Yeah, I mean, they're the ones that, you know, especially if they got the capital to take that risk, they'll be able to. Mm-hmm. You don't really gain on it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't ever see myself being that person, but wow. I mean, uh, that's like something like gambling. I've always had a hard time doing because it just seems like, like I really feel that struggle, how, how hard it is to bring that dollar in in the first place mm-hmm, and then to mm-hmm. potentially just like, you know, metaphorically light it on fire. So, oh, I. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not a gambler at all myself. Uh, I, cause I feel the same way. I feel like I work so hard to make this money. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to just, I mean, and then of course, then, you know, somebody like plays, I don't know, like a dollar scratch off and wins like a bajillion dollars. And you're like, ah, why didn't I do that? But, <laughs> but I mean, how, how, how much money did they spend? How, how many, you know, scratch offs did they buy? Or how many times did they go to Vegas or whatever to make that money? And it's like, I don't know. I'm just not a gambler. And so, yeah, I, I would rather just keep my money and I'd rather spend it on on a pair of shoes or a dinner out or a movie. Yeah, or absolutely. I'd rather do that. That's the only gambling I want to do is, well, I like this movie. And that's, that's about the only kind of gambling I do. <laughs> that is true. I mean, you are kind of gambling when you buy a movie ticket, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you – like th- there are certain movies – I, I, I'm sure everybody feels this way that no, no matter what the critics say, you're going to go like, so, so this movie that's coming out this month, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the live action, oh, I, yeah. I don't care if every single critic gets on the TV and goes, this is the worst movie ever made and don't ever watch it. I don't care if I'm the only person in the theater. I'm going to go and see this movie. I love the Beauty and the Beast story. Nothing will stop me from watching this movie, but still it's a gamble like you'll go and you'll spend your money and you hope that you like the movie enough to say yeah it was worth the money i spent 
to go to the theater and watch this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you hear anything about that controversy with there's like a, a the um it's been too long since I've seen the animated version, so I don't remember the character's name, but basically it's like uh Gaston's little toady. Oh, the foo, yeah. That like there's like a like some sort of gay thing with it, and so there's certain cinemas that are refusing oh, yeah. to show it. <laughs> I thought he was always gay. He sang a whole love song to Gaston how awesome he was. No, I mean, I, I will not sing because then you'll lose all your listeners. But I, I I remember the song where he's like, you know, no one lifts like Gaston. No one has a cleft in his chin like Gaston. No one does this like Gaston. I'm like, oh, damn. Well, does, someone's he, in love. <laughs> he does go a little homoerotic, doesn't he? he goes a little, I mean, I thought he kind of always was gay, but apparently it's... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, that That's like kids' movie, so I guess they couldn't outright say it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, ugh, I to me, it's it's when... I mean, everybody has to make a choice of what they think is right or wrong. And But I mean, if, if you personally have a problem... Not you, Joe, but if somebody has a, pr- a <laughs> no, problem I, with it... I know, you meant the metaphorical you. Listen, Joe, I know all about you and your problems. No, um, like if, <laughs> if somebody has an issue with something, then... Okay, fine. Just don't go see it. Like, what's the big deal? Don't go see it. Tell your kids not to see it. And it's kind of the end of the story. But then there's always people have to make a big deal about something. And I don't know. I just, I'm one of those people who's like, if I don't like something, I just won't go watch it or I won't go see it and, or, or listen to it. And why, why in the world would I just make a big stink about it? It's just my opinion anyway. So just keep it to myself. That is true. <laughs> yeah, like to me, it's always it's always like shocked me. Like when you go online and there's all these like terrible, terrible people on the internet who say terrible things, and they're just uh, trolls, and they just say yeah. terrible things to to people, and they oh go kill yourself, oh you're so ugly, oh you're so you're this, you're that. I don't understand if you don't like what they're posting hit that unfollow button. It's really just that simple. And you'll never have to see that post ever again. Like, Or why somebody <laughs> feels the need to like take even 15 seconds out of their day to spread negativity. <sighs> it's like, come yes. on. That, that's, um, I've always looked at negativity. Like you can look at it like, the. Mm, okay. How am I trying to say this? You can look at negativity like it's a ball of tar. Mm-hmm. And when you throw a ball of tar, it's going to leave a mark wherever it hits. And so if somebody throws negativity at you, you catch it, you've got it all over your hands. And then what are you going to do with it? Are you going to throw it to somebody else? Well, then it's going to get all over their hands. And before you know it, everybody's just covered mm-hmm. in this negativity that so, gets to be so hard to wash off when you could, you know, somebody throws it at you and just, no, I'm not going to catch that. I don't need to hold on to that. That's such a good analogy. That that's a very good analogy. That's very accurate. I yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I I don't I mean, we're just surrounded by negativity. There's so much negativity and if you if you wanted to, you could probably complain about something 24/7. Like you could. You could absolutely complain 24 hours a day about something in your life or that you see around you, but why in the world would you want to expend that much energy? into complaining about something when you yeah. can, you could take that same energy and find something positive and say, but you know what? 
yeah, this situation is sucks for whatever reason, but at least blah, blah, blah. You know, at least I have my health. At least I, hey, at least I can still do this as I can still do that. And to me, I, I feel better about myself. Like if I do that rather than tearing someone else down, I, I feel, I feel like I've built myself up as well. And yeah, made myself absolutely. A, a stronger person. Yeah, it feels good to do good things. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's kind of just that simple. It feels good to do good things. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't want to make it sound like I never, you know, have written anything negative online or anything like that, because that's far from the truth. But I am kind of the new example that I've been trying to hold myself to is that never hit the send button when you're angry. Mm-hmm. That's because very every, wise. <laughs> yeah, and... You know, it, it took a handful of times of me feeling like shit after I can't, you know, after I calmed down and I was like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't need to word it like that. Like, you know, I could have definitely worded it different where it would have had a completely different impact, but I was like, no, I, I, I acted while I was angry and I threw that ball of tar mm-hmm. at that guy, you know, yeah. and I don't know. But then I look back and there's times where I did that and I'm like, yeah, that guy totally deserved that. <laughs> You really, I mean, yeah, some, some people are just, uh, some people are just douche nozzles for lack of a better word. They really are. They're douche I don't know nozzles, if you'll find a better word. They're asshats. They're all kinds of things. And sometimes they, they deserve it. They really do. But then there are times where, like you said, if you're just angry and don't hit that send button, just really think about it before you do, because once it's out there, it's out there forever. And that's you, you, true. Ne- you never know, like, if your words could hurt another person. Like, I I still remember a lot of times, like, when I was younger and because I've always been, I've always been, like, the chunky kid. Um, and even now as an adult, I am still overweight. So I still remember as a kid every mean thing someone said to me. I still remember it. And... You no, know, you would think like, oh, but that was so long ago and those were just words. And, you know, parents tell you stuff like, oh, sticks and stones, and but words never hurt you. That's a lie. Words hurt a lot. And it's it's hard enough to have someone look you in your face and say something, but then sitting behind a computer and just typing out all kinds of terrible things, it's still just as hurtful. It's still words that hurt. And I think if people just took a second to just take a breath and really think about, should I really be putting this out there? I think we'd have a lot less stupidity on the internet and just in the world in general. Yeah, I totally agree. And as, especially with what you were saying about remembering the times that you were, you know, hurt when you were a kid. I, mm-hmm. I, I was always, you know, kind of the chunky kid growing up too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I definitely remember that stuff. And to the point where... um I remember if it was, I'm pretty sure it was the five-year reunion. And I remember Mm -hmm. I was out at my mom and dad's cabin. Um, My mom and dad have a little cabin on the Cedar River that's right outside the small town that I grew up on. So, I mean, I've actually walked from the house where I grew up and like crossed cornfields and hopped a fence and ran across I-380. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hopped another fence and then walked the gravel roads and actually walked out to this cabin before. It's not too far outside of town. But um, I was out there the night that I think it was the five-year 
uh, class reunion was going on. And I remember I kept getting calls on my phone from these people that were like at the reunion and they were pissed that I wasn't there. And it was like, dude, you got to understand that I would love to hang out with you. I'd hang out with you all night. In fact, come out to the cabin. I'll hang out with you. We can hang out around the fire. We can drink some beer. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. But you know, I went to school with the same hundred or so people from kindergarten all the way to senior year. And there's some of those people that I don't ever want to see again in my life. Sure. And I understand that I'm not the person that I was when I was that age, and they're not the person they were that, that at that age either. But those memories still remain, and mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with those people. Right. You know, for, for better or for worse. I don't know if that makes me you know, unwilling to forgive, but it's like, no, fuck that. (laughs) I was like trapped in this building with, with all these people saying, you must be this way. You must be this way. And I've always been very counterculture, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I, I tried to to do the same old thing like everybody else just to get along, but it's just, it wasn't for me. You know, I, I refuse to drink beer and watch NASCAR and go hunt white tailed deer. And that's what a lot of people what? Like, How in dare rural you? Iowa do. <laughs> you know, How it's like, dare oh, you? it's not for me. It's just not for me. <laughs> you do know I have never watched more than five seconds of NASCAR in my entire life in one setting. I <laughs> I don't get it. I, I Maybe that makes me a really snobby East Coaster <laughs> from New York, but I don't get NASCAR. I just don't get it. I we, But it's not like we have NASCAR here in New York either, so... Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But I don't, I mean, if I'm flipping channels and it comes on, I'll watch it for like three seconds. And I'm like, why would I watch this? And I change the channel. I I don't get it at all. And like, I've, I've had other people give me an ear beating on like the, the finer points of why it's awesome Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the strategy involved and stuff. But I don't know. It seems like watching it on TV would be like, the equivalent of watching golf on TV. Oh, like, God. Wow. Why? Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then if you go to it live, which I've been drugged to a lot, not a NASCAR event, but I've been to like local racing events. Mm-hmm. And like everybody in the stands is wearing earplugs. It's like, <laughs> wow, this is great. You got to go somewhere and wear earplugs and just watch people <laughs> go in a circle. And also, it's like a little macabre if you're sitting there hoping that somebody gets in a wreck just to like. I know. Break the monotony of it. Gosh, I hope someone crashes their car today. Yeah, that's terrible. But yeah, I don't know. But, you know, and I've also been that kind of a rare guy that I'm not into sports at all. Mm -hmm. Like football, any of it, I just can't do it. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of times in high school, you know, I was definitely not in the in crowd or anything like that. And so it's like, yeah, I, I still remember shit like that. You know, whether it was, you know, getting teased cause I started wearing glasses in third grade or it was, you know, you know, the bigger kid in the class or, you know, not into the same shit that everybody else was like, yeah, just wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. I get that. <laughs> I mean, I had glasses from, Oh gosh, probably like first grade or whatever. And then I had braces um, for a good part of my, of my school year, I was also the tallest girl in my school. Always. I was always the tallest girl in my school. So I don't know how they do it where, where you went to school in Iowa, but here, at least where I grew up, they lined us up in size order. So oh, no. <laughs> I was always the last girl in the back of the line. I always stood 
like head and shoulders over anyone else in the class. And then, so yeah, glasses, braces, tallest girl, chunky girl. And then on top of that, which maybe you won't, maybe you won't get this as much as any women who listen to your show get. I also like developed quite young. Like I started getting like a womanly shape to put it delicately at at a young age. (laughs) So when all the other girls were still pretty flat chested, I was not. And so. And then on top of all of that, right, because that wasn't enough, I was also like the nerdy, geeky, into sci-fi girl. So, like, I had zero friends in school. I nobody I was not the cool kid ever in my entire my entire school career. Uh I I can totally appreciate what you're saying, that you just you felt like you just didn't fit in. I didn't fit into any clique. I, I didn't just I just didn't fit into any of the cliques that were there. So I kind of was, yeah, I, I, I was kind of on my own a lot, like, especially in, in high school. I, I remember spending a lot of time by myself, um, in school, but, um, I mean, it is what it is. What, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always had a handful of friends that, that I'd hang out with and, and really looking back, I feel like I had like an obsessive need to always be with people. Mm-hmm. Like, it really wasn't until I was an adult that I started to appreciate alone time. Right. But, um, uh, okay, so my ears really perked up there when you said that you were a total sci-fi nerd. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always, I, I knew that would get your attention. Um, so, yeah, I was, um, I've, I've always been into sci-fi. So, I mean, I've, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but, um, uh, Star Trek was my, was my gateway drug into <laughs> into sci-fi. I love Star Trek. I still love it to this day. And I would watch the old Star Trek series with my dad on VHS tape. Uh, it was awesome. I loved it. And um, then we would watch like classic sci-fi movies like Forbidden Planet. And um, we'd watch um, those old, oh, I guess it's a sci-fi movie. We would watch them with the giant ants. We watched... Um, Oh God, I'm blanking on this movie now. The, oh, they they remade it with Tom Cruise, um, where the aliens come and terraform the planet. Oh my gosh! Oh, was that the one that also had the Dakota Fanning in it? Yes. Oh my goodness, why can't I remember the name of this movie? Was it War of the Worlds? Yes. Thank you. Oh my God, I have to turn in my nerd card now. Oh uh, yeah, War of the Worlds. <laughs> War of the Worlds, Forbidden Planet. Uh, oh gosh, I'm so ashamed of myself. War of the Worlds, Forbidden Planet. Uh, we, I, I grew up watching all of that stuff, and I, I especially like the Star Trek series. So, like when the Next Generation came on TV, I was all over that. I loved that show, and then they then they started up with like Deep Space Nine. Um, and I had, I had a t-shirt from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh my gosh. I had like this t-shirt and it had like the whole space station on it. And like on the back, it had like all of the, they all had all of the actors faces. I don't know where I got this shirt from. I loved that shirt. I, if, if my mom had let me, I probably would have worn that shirt every day. I loved that shirt. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I still love cl- those uh, Star Trek and then classic sci-fi movies. I loved watching them growing up. I still watch them today because they they still like the the themes behind them still hold up e- even in even in twenty seventeen. 
I read a lot more sci-fi than I than mm. I watched when mm-hmm. I was younger. But then, um, you know, once I was, you know, like had a job and my own income and stuff, then my DVD collection got pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what the but, um, what the? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was going to say that, like, for for us growing up, so we were four kids and my parents and. Back then, only my dad worked. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And back, you know, back in the day, you could do that. You could raise a family of four on one salary. Uh, today, it's probably pretty impossible unless you're like some kind of a multi-billionaire. But it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to do that now. But so instead of like going to the movies, which we almost never did as a family, like if we went to the movies, it was like a special event, like something – something really special happened that we got to go to the movies, all of us. And so instead, my dad um, would buy, like when they came out on VHS and when they were like lower price, he would buy a lot of movies and we'd have them here in, in the house. And, um, you know, of course, old like movies from like the 50s, 60s, those old sci-fi B movies, nobody really cared about them. So they were always super cheap. So that's what we had, you know, growing up. And, um, but I loved them. I, I mean, the effects, like when you watch them now, of course, they're like ridiculous, but they're so much fun. They're, they're, they're so much fun to watch. I love, do, do, do you remember uh, Forbidden Planet with Robbie the Robot? I don't know if I've actually seen that one. Oh, There's a Joe. whole bunch of the older sci-fi movies that I've never seen. Joe, <laughs> listen to me. Do yourself a favor and go watch Forbidden Planet with Robbie. Oh. The, a very young Leslie Nielsen is in this movie. Oh, no way. I'm writing yes. it down right now. Please do. And then tell me what you think about it because I love this movie. Robbie the Robot is you, – you would probably recognize him from like other stuff, but – um, he was like this, I mean, obviously it was like a guy in a suit and he had like this crazy, it was like this crazy robot with like claw hands and stuff. And it was, it's a really good story. Um, it's so good. Yeah. That, that was probably one of my favorite movies that really stuck out. So yeah, we, we, we would watch those together as, as a family and, um, Oh yeah, my my dad who like introduced me to all things sci-fi. He um he knew all kinds of like little trivia things about the movies and stuff. He's a real sci-fi buff. Um and he he would read a lot of stuff. My dad reads like Isaac Asimov and um you know stuff like that. That that was um how we got into into sci-fi. I think my favorite sci-fi book is probably Dune. Oh, I've never read it, but I love the oh, story. Oh my gosh. Of Dune. <laughs> Okay, we have to do a swap. You watch Forbidden Planet, I will read Dune. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Okay, that is you a got deal. It. It's a deal. It's a deal. I I love. Have you seen the original movie they did with? Um, I've I've got both both versions of it oh, on DVD. So man. Both versions meaning I've got the David Lynch one, and um, because that was who did that one, right? I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah, and so I've got that one, and then I've got the I believe is from the year two thousand maybe the sci-fi channel did like a tv yeah. miniseries and the the sci-fi channel one is the one that i like better before between the two but mm-hmm. only because i read dune before i watched it in the movie sure is, and is, so it, is that one closer to the book yes much okay. closer yeah i see well yeah i figured <laughs> the, i mean <laughs> yeah the 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 early one so i think that was maybe from 1984 um, the David Lynch one, that one is really cool just in 
in how weird it is and oh, when so I can appreciate weird. it as a cult classic as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was um I remember yeah, that that one has a really young Patrick Stewart in it and Sting. I know Sting it's is Halleck. It. Yeah, Sting is in it, which is like awesome. It's Fade Routha. <laughs> I remember being a kid and watching that one and I remember like, oh, is it uh was it Har- Harkonnen, the one, but the, like the really fat guy who was like floating yep. around? Okay. Yep, the Baron Harkonnen, and, and and that was also one of the things when I read the book. Like I pronounced all the names differently, like because in that uh-huh. one they called it Harkonnen, and I always read it as Harkonnen. And then when I watched the Sci-Fi Channel movie, they called it Harkonnen, and I was like, oh, this is the one of my heart. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I I did not know that there was. I I always called but, it Harkonnen because that's the one I watched. Well, lost, it, yeah. It, and that's one of the things that I struggle with when I read comic books too, because I'm like, I wonder how the the author pronounces this. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, but but um, but yeah, back to Dune. That is, I mean, I still really like that original one. Oh, it's it's, it's just awesome. there's certain like, deviations that they took in the story where I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I, I, I haven't know. read the book, but I I believe you because I don't think all of that weirdness was in the book. It was like a lot of really weird. Um, uh, not not monologues, but it was like weird talking that like was they they weren't talking to each other. It was like weird dialogue. That yes, was like, it's like it's inner na- monologue narration, it, yeah, or inner monologue. And it was like and- she's reading my mind. And it's like <laughs> what? But when I was a kid, that 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 guy who played um Harkonnen. He terrified me because he was like all gross and like. Oh, they they nailed it on how oh, gross he was supposed to be. That like terrified me as a kid. I remember thinking like, oh, it's so weird. And then the the little girl who um the the Alia. Yeah, yeah, and she she was they really portrayed her as really weird, and she was like it, they did a good job with her too. Oh, okay. I just remember because, thinking she was really strange. Like she used to freak me out too. That little okay, girl. Okay, so do you know why Alia is weird? Why is she weird? She awoke to consciousness when she was still in her mother's womb. Oh, and not okay. only did she awake to consciousness, but every single female going all the way back through her genetic history to the dawn of time was also present in her mind. And so she oh. was never able to form her own conscience. Okay. In her own personality, because she was just awash in all these, they called it the past lives of the mm-hmm. Bene Gesserit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I could go on a really long, deep, deep <laughs> tangent because I've read all the books like several times. It's like one of my deep passions. Oh, is wow. Doing, so. I, didn't, I didn't know that. that. That's cool to know. I will definitely oh. read it. I promise you. I will definitely read it because I, I love to read. I, I truly do. I love reading and I will definitely read the, read the Dune books for sure. They, that's I. If you want to go deep, read all of them. But be warned, they get weirder and weirder as they go on. Okay. Because, <laughs> and I don't know what's up with some authors, why they put what in my mind. In like maybe this is me being like a little bit puritan, but sometimes authors will just put weird sexual shit in their books that just it really doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. For the story to work, but it's like, okay, I guess this is a little titillating to read, and maybe this was fun for you to write. Like Stephen King is always really egregious with that, mm-hmm. but 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 Frank Herbert definitely got into that a little bit with the later books. But um, you can read Dune as a standalone book okay. as well, and cool. and it's great, and also as a paperback, it's really, I mean, it's a quick read, but 
the stuff you were saying with like the inner monologue stuff, that's in the book as well. Oh, for real. Okay. It'll be, yeah, it'll be dialogue that's written, that's like in italics. Okay. And that's like the the inner monologue of of the character. So that was always kind of cool. Uh-huh. That you could, you know, you didn't just have to infer what a character was thinking. Like you really knew what the character was thinking. Mm, Okay. Cool. But yeah, yeah, I've always loved Dune. But, you know, and then of course Star Wars. Oh. I I mean, I I remember riding my bike to the public library in Center Point and getting and checking out those VHSs. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like I grew up on Star Wars. Oh, I did too, for sure. I um oh god, do I love Star Wars so much. I I adore Star Wars. I still remember I was a gosh we were visiting my family in uh, Delaware. My my dad used to have family that, that lived there. We used to go there for summer vacations. Um, and so I remember we, we went down there and, of course, there's nothing to do because it's Delaware and there's like nothing <laughs> ever to do in Delaware. God. Um, so we went to the we, we went to the video store, not even Blockbuster. We went to some local video rental store. And we rented um, Return of the Jedi, which I hadn't seen yet because it was in the theater. And since we were like dirt poor, we didn't go to the theater to see Return of the Jedi. So uh, we, we, we watched Return of the Jedi. And I remember like halfway through my, my cousins who were like really young. I don't know what they, they, they got scared or they got like fussy. And my aunt was like, oh, let's turn this off and like we'll watch it later. And so they like turned it off, right? And I was like, "What? But but wait, no! But but what happened?" So like after everybody went to sleep, I like snuck into the living room and I put the tape back in and I turned the TV down really low and I finished watching. <laughs> I finished watching Return of the Jedi by myself That's because I, I had to know what happened to the story and uh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's um yes, Star Wars is awesome. Did you ever read like any of the books like that came out after Star Wars? I did. I read the uh the I think it would be like the Heir to the Empire yeah, series. Yeah, I read by that Timothy one too. Zahn. I loved that one. I thought that was a really great series. Yeah, and then there was the um uh was it like the Jedi Academy books by Kevin J. Anderson. I I never read those. I read like I read the Timothy Zahn trilogy and then I read the courtship of Princess Leia, and then I don't know what happened. I guess I kind of fell out of reading the books, but I I I know that there's like a whole expanded universe in in, in those books. Yeah, the uh, the Jedi Academy ones are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it follows Luke going to uh, Yavin Four, where the Rebel base was in mm-hmm. A New Hope. Yeah, and um, he sets up a Jedi Academy in one of the, it's like a ziggurat or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, they're so previously that ziggurat was either built or inhabited by like a Sith Lord in the past and his spirit was still there mm-hmm. and it kind of infects Luke's like brightest student. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's a, it's pretty cool. And like, I think previously that student had actually been found by Han and Chewie on like a slave planet or something like that. Mm. And, he, and like Han actually kind of like, just like kind of assumes like okay, this kid's definitely got force potential, and so he drops him off with Luke. Mm, okay, but yeah, but by the time he's there, like you're really endeared to him, and then all of a sudden you see him start to get corrupted by this like spirit of the Sith Lord, and you're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's uh, they're great. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a fun, fun Kevin J. Anderson fact with Dune is that mm-hmm. um, so Frank Herbert wrote the first seven books of Dune and then he died. And everyone was like, oh, no, because Dune Chapter House, the seventh one that Frank Herbert wrote, it ends on a big cliffhanger. Okay. And so you don't you don't know what's going on. Well, years later, his son, Brian Herbert, ends up becoming a fairly successful um, author as well. And they find a key to a safety deposit box and they go and open it up and they find all of his note, all of his notes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or maybe it was six. It might have been six books that he wrote because that, I'm pretty sure the notes were labeled Dune 7. Okay. And so we were like, holy shit, we know how he was going to end it. And like, it was so old, there was five and a quarter floppy disks in the in the safety deposit oh box. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so Brian Herbert teamed up with Kevin J. Anderson and they finished the series. That's very cool. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. They wrote a trilogy of books that take place right before the first one. And they wrote a trilogy of books that take place like 10,000 years before the first one. And then they f- wrote the last two that would have taken place after Chapter House. Mm. And they finish it off. So you can actually finish. If you do decide to take on all these books, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can, you can finish it out. <laughs> but that's really neat that his son picked it up. I think that's, I know. that's really cool. cool. That's very cool, actually. Yeah. And those books are good, too. I mean, like, I, I, I read all of them, and I didn't notice that big of a difference in style. Like, they did a really good job. Like, it doesn't really feel all that different nice. going from the stuff that Frank Herbert wrote to the stuff that, that Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson collaborated on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's kind of cool is that if you go back far enough, like, and they mention it in the first Dune book, too, is that they, they say that, like, 10,000 years before, there was a war against the thinking machines mm-hmm. in which all of humanity on Earth was actually enslaved by, like, robots. Oh, wow. You know, a la Terminator. Uh-huh. Or the Matrix. And so it's like, ooh, Frank Herbert was there in the seventies. He beat you to it, guys. Oh, well, you know that's that's a, that, that's very true. That's yeah, that's yeah. long before Terminator and all that stuff. Oh wow, that's neat. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm such a dune nerd, though. I can- <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though. You know, I I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like it's important to like express your fandom. I I think I think it should be encouraged more and. Because it's it's not like it's hurting anybody, and 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 you're like getting to escape into a fantasy world, and live adventures with these characters that you love. I I still remember reading like some of the Star Trek novels that came out like around Next Generation. There were like a ton of them that came out. I couldn't keep up with all of them, but it was like each one was like an adventure that the the crew of the Starship Enterprise would have. And it was so neat because they were like these nice um, paperback novels and you could pick them up for inexpensive and they were really well written. And it's like you could you could see what was happening because you already had a relationship with these characters, right? So you could see what was happening. You could imagine what they were doing. And I I think it's so cool to do that, like to just express your fandom like that. You know what I mean? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? No, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was also really into like fantasy novels in, in mm-hmm. high school. Have you ever heard of the, the author Raymond E. Feist? I haven't, no. He um the first book he wrote was called Magician and it was really cool but I mean it, there's no sci-fi to it at all it's just mm-hmm. straight fantasy you know mm-hmm. elves and dwarves and shit like that sure 
<laughs> but I actually read all that stuff before I ever picked up like Lord of the Rings. Mm, okay. And then and then so I picked up Lord of the Rings then like oh, shit, I was probably I was probably my it was before the movies came out because mm-hmm. I, I felt like I had a little bit of book cred when I went and saw Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what, what's funny is my dad um, being like into that kind of stuff too. He had all the, all the Tolkien novels. And uh, when he heard that they were making the movie, he literally handed me the stack of novels and said, read this before the movie comes out because yes. you're going to need it. <laughs> okay. And I started reading through and I'm like, wow, this is like a really cool story. Like I had really no exposure to Lord. That's not true. I had seen that really trippy seventies cartoon of, uh, didn't they do like the Hobbit or something? Oh like that my God. What an or acid no, it was trip. the full Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? it? They jammed that all into one cartoon. That was a real acid trippy cartoon. I don't even do it acid. It was really like, freaking that was weird. Really strange. But the like 70s, the Hobbits had weird voices. Yeah, the 70s <laughs> were famous for that. Lime green and weird cartoons. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I grew up on the uh, the Secret of Nim. Oh, me so, too. Yeah. Me too. Me yeah, too. I, yeah. I know weird cartoons. Weird. But yeah, I, that, that was like my first exposure to Lord of the Rings. And I remember being like, this is a weird ass cartoon. What the hell is this? And. Then that like it never entered my mind again. Then I heard they're making the movies, and and then my dad was like, "Read these novels because this is such a good story." And I read them, and I was like, "Holy cow! I can't wait to see this on the big screen." And yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, Tolkien wrote a really. I'm sure you know this because you're 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 into the into the genre too. But I had read that Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings because England did not have a mythology. They they didn't have a mythology like the Greeks have or um, any a, a lot of other cultures have mythologies, but England didn't have one. So he wrote one. He made one up for England, and this was supposed oh, to be cool. yeah. I've never actually heard that I, particular part. I, I, I read this somewhere, who knows where? But yeah, that he basically wrote this as this is England's mythology. So you know the 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 um, the Greeks have Zeus and all that, but. The, the British have elves and they have um, they have the wizards and they have the hobbits and all that. And yeah, so he wrote it as a as, as a legend for a mythology for, for, for England to call its own, which I thought was pretty interesting. So like when, when you read it, it kind of gives them a little bit more or I guess he felt it gave his culture more more background. Wow. I, I had read that Tolkien was a linguist and mm-hmm. he actually made up an entire language for the elves. He did. Yeah. That, that, I read that too. It's really amazing. Yeah. yeah it's not just, that it's is not just crazy. It's not just gibberish. <laughs> like like so he invented a language. It's, it's incredible to me, but those yeah. books are so well written. I, um, I, I read them as an adult, not as a, as a kid, but um, they're extremely well written and fun and adventurous and very descriptive and, it's, but I, I'm, I'm like that. I, I don't know if you're like, if you, you do the same thing, but I enjoy reading the book and then seeing the movie. Um, I, I usually I, prefer to see the book first or read the book first as well. Yeah. I, I feel like it gives me so that when I watch the movie, I have something to compare it with. Um, so yeah, it was great that I read the books before the movies came out and then I was, 
I, I could compare and I could see where they were, there were certain scenes that were very like uh-huh. straight out of the book. And it was like, holy cow. And then there were other scenes, of course, you know, where it's like, we don't need Tom Bombadil. So he's not going to be in the movie. <laughs> Goodbye, Tom. Yeah. We don't need you. Bye, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I never, like, I remember reading that and I was like, what in the world is this guy? He's just dancing and singing. Good for him. But he can turn into a story? bear or something. <laughs> Weird. Didn't do anything for the story, but yeah. <laughs> He's not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, oh, what would it be? The other 70s cartoon that I really grew up on was uh, the animated Robin Hood with all the different, um, you know, like animals playing the different characters. Oh, the one from Disney? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I it was like 76, maybe. That's a sweet oh. movie. I love that movie. Oh, yeah, it's I so great. Too. But I'm a um, total Disney like freak i love anything disney i still do <laughs> <laughs> that that robin hood though man there'll still be times where i get a lot of windshield time with my job mm-hmm. and like i'll just like break into like one of the songs <laughs> like driving i'll be like ah oh, i will never forget the words to you know like the like the uh, the Nottingham one, kind of like the sad one, like every town has its ups and downs. Oh man, that's such <laughs> you know? a that, you know that that cartoon got dark. Like they were all oh, yeah. like it in jail, <laughs> and he was like, "We all have sad times," and it's like, "Holy cow, this is dark." Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love that, and I feel like even I don't. I feel like through so much of my life, that cartoon has influenced me to the point where. Do you ever like? And this is really weird and really out there, so I totally understand Uh-oh. if you're not on this wavelength. <laughs> but do you ever like meet certain people and you're like, oh yeah, that's to- that'd totally be like one of the big badgers, mm. <laughs> or like you know something like that? You're like, like if they were in an animated cartoon and they were an animal, they would be this animal. I get what you're saying. I I I do actually do I know get it's what out you're saying. There. Yeah. <laughs> But I did watch that cartoon on repeat when I was a kid. Like, I can't believe I didn't wear out the VHS. Do you remember – oh, gosh. Do you remember The Fox and the Hound? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my kids still watch it. I can't watch that movie. I cannot watch that movie. I will – It's really sad. It is – it would rip your heart out sad. (laughs) It is so – what the hell was Disney thinking making this movie for kids? It is oh, so, so many of their older movies sad. have just moments in it where it's just, uh, you know, and, and you really can't even blame it on the older moments because look at Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. Let's recap the oh, first yeah, that's true. five minutes of, of Finding Nemo. What happens? Yeah. There's a couple. They're in love. It's great. They got this new place. It's beautiful. And then the mom dies and all the hundred some odd kids die except for one. And he's deformed. You're so – oh, my God, Joe. You're so right. Wait a minute. It's still Disney Pixar (laughs) pulling at your heartstrings. It's it's no different than than the sadness and the fox and the hound or or Bambi's mother dying. Oh, yeah. Can I just tell you something? Okay. So I have literally – and this is not a joke. I have seen the first five minutes of Up and I have not seen anything past that because Uh, we sat down to watch Up, right? (laughs) And – so, you, I mean, everybody knows the story. They meet and they fall in love and they can't have kids and blah, blah, blah. And then she dies. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there and I start bawling. 
bawling. Yeah. And I yeah. tell, and I'm, I'm a grown person, allegedly. I am an adult. And I, t- I tell my sister, I'm like, turn it off. I can't watch it. Turn it off. Turn it off. And I, I sobbed for like an hour. I couldn't watch it. And then, like, she watched it on her own. And I've never seen the rest of it. I can't. I literally cannot watch the rest of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. I've never seen past that. And I've watched that first part like maybe a half dozen times. And every time I'm like, how do people get past oh, this? No. I don't know how. I'm, <laughs> it destroys I can't, me. I can't watch it. A movie destroyed me. I cannot watch it. And yeah, it's it's up there with like, I'm telling you, Fox and the Hound. I, I can't watch that movie ever again, ever, because it's so heartbreaking. And Disney's still doing it to us. Ripping my heart out every time. <laughs> They even kind of did it in Frozen a little bit when they kill off their parents. You know, I guess so, but I didn't feel it that much in Frozen. Did, well, yeah, but um, <laughs> did, did did you hear that art? Um, I'm pretty sure it was an article or something like that that Disney released saying that Anna and Elsa's mom and dad didn't actually die when that ship came down. Yes. When that ship wrecked, I that they that actually article. crashed in Africa and they fathered Tarzan. That's the story of Tarzan. Yeah. That, that same article, if it's the same article, I think, basically said that all the Disney movies tie into each other in some way. And yeah, and that's kind of cool. It is really cool. When they said that, I was like, holy cow, that is wild that that's like supposed to be tied into Frozen. I thought that was kind of, and I think they said that then something about in the Little Mermaid, maybe like the boat, like one of the shipwrecked boats is supposed to be their boat or something. Or it oh, ties. That's cool. I think I think so. Don't quote me on that. I, 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 but I remember reading this article that said like basically all of the Disney movies tied into each other, which is kind of cool actually. Think about it. it's like it's all in the same universe basically. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Why? Why not? Yeah, you know, it's the Disney universe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My oldest kid, you know how on all the new Disney stuff, it starts off with the little thing of Steamboat Willie, and he's whistling. Sure. Yeah. For whatever reason, my old my oldest kid, he can't stand that. <laughs> oh, he can't. Oh, gosh. <laughs> He's like, so it freaks me out. And I'm like, that's the beginning. <laughs> like, you wouldn't have any of this other Disney stuff without Steamboat Willie. So you need to accept him and his whistling <laughs> black and white ass. <laughs> it freaks him out? Really? It <laughs> that's does. That's hilarious. He gets, he, he's, he's a funny kid. He gets freaked out by weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> how, old, how old is he? He's nine. Oh, okay. That's a nice age, though. But yeah, I understand. <laughs> gets freaked out i still i still remember i was a little kid i was much younger than him when we went to the one of the few times we went to the movies we went to go see the great muppet caper um and i don't know if you remember how that movie starts but the the movie starts with um instead of like the 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 mgm lion in the circle it 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 fades to, to, to animal and he starts eating um, like he starts eating the like circle around him. And I was like, maybe I, I forget how old I was, but I was, I was quite young. I was like maybe six. And I started crying in the theater because I was so scared by it. I was terrified of this. And I was like, ah, yeah. ah, I was like crying. And my poor parents had to take me out of the theater. And they were like, Rebecca, you have to, you have to calm down. It's just the Muppets. You like the Muppets. Remember? You like the Muppets. <laughs> Especially, I apparently calmed down enough that I went back into the theater. But when I was a kid, that that terrified me. I don't know why. I was thought he was going to eat me next. I guess. 
<laughs> hey, do you mind if we take just a quick little break? That's totally fine. Okay, I'm back. Okay, me too. I went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> am I, Joe, seriously, am I talking too much? Because I I really will yammer on for hours. If I'm talking too much, just tell me to rein it in. I totally will. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is fantastic. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> because, oh, yeah, I, I could, yeah, I'll just take over your podcast if you let me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what's funny is that... um. <laughs> uh this last weekend i went to a wedding mm-hmm. and my my friend james was there who was on the first episode the, oh, yeah, the yeah, physicist yeah, guy for sure, yeah and uh and we were talking about because he's going to be on again for probably episode 10 mm-hmm. it's kind of what we were uh planning on but uh i was telling him about when i was editing it and i was looking at like kind of his you know, audio file and my audio file, or not really the file, but you know, just like the waveforms. I was like, I was like, yours is like huge, thick, and mine's just like little bits every once in a while. <laughs> and he's like, "Are are you saying I was talking too much?" <laughs> and I went, "No." I said, "Are you kidding?" I was like, "That is the best kind of guest for yeah. like the type of show that I'm doing, man." Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, I just wind you up and you go, and I just stay out of the way and listen. To you give all this great content. <laughs> really great i i no joke i was commuting to work and i'm listening to him uh because I, I commute on the subway i don't drive um so i'm listening to him on the train and i'm just like this guy is so smart oh my god he's like blowing my mind with all this stuff like a lot of it's like way over my head but the bits i did get i was like man this guy is like so knowledgeable it was a very interesting show it, it was truly very interesting. That was a great guest to start with to get people yeah, interested. I, and yeah, that was a great guest to start with. Yeah. I, I And I'd imagine that I'll end up doing several episodes with him because mm-hmm. I mean, number one, James is just super cool, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's so smart on so many different subjects that, right. but yeah, the, the next one he really wanted to get into and talk about more the way he looks at politics from like a scientist's point of view. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean that next, next episode, you never know. It might garner some hate mail. If I, if I got like like deeply conservative people listening, since they tend to be more on the science denial side. (laughs) I know it's so, Oh God, don't even get me started. Like the, the weird thing is like, for me, I was, you know, we were raised very conservatively in the sense of, I guess, mm, like you could say morally wise, we were very conservatively raised, but my parents never like discouraged us from learning about science. I mean, um, they, they, they were never like, you know, don't believe anything science tells you. And uh, they, they, they were never like that, which is awesome. And science just wasn't very interesting to me in school, but now as an adult, I find stuff that's interesting to me and I, I, I learn about it in my own way on my own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it is weird that, that, uh, I don't, it, it almost feels like there's just a, like a discouragement of science or whatever. And I don't know if it's just because I, I don't know. Does like free thought just promote, people questioning the status quo and that is like dangerous to the people that are in power or 
I don't. It's it just seems like a well educated populace would be a good thing. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I that's like all. That's like it, it can be so divisive because, as you said, there are some people who are very conservative, and I guess that you could probably call them fundamentalists. Um, and then I, I I don't know. I just I mean, as I said, you know, we were raised very conservatively, morally wise. Like we were raised. Reading the Bible, we were raised um, in in a very Christian household, um, and I I I still consider myself a Christian. And but at least as far as like our house went, it was never you know don't learn anything about science because you know science and the Bible don't mix. We were actually taught that there's many points in the Bible that prove what science has now learned that that there are parts in the Bible that are right up that they're like, um, what's the right word. They're just basically right there. Eye to eye with science. And so like for us, that was never like a problem. That was never a question. Um, we were encouraged to learn all kinds of things, have a, you know, a well-rounded education, which I think is awesome, which I I don't think kids get anymore these days. (laughs) I don't think they get very well-rounded. I mean, you're, you're the parent. I'm not. So I'm sure you, you see what your kids are learning in school. I mean, I I don't know, at least here in New York, I never felt like I learned anything of value. I felt like I just learned how to take a test. I didn't learn anything that was going to help me in the real world. That is a good point. I mean, and you know, one of the, one of the guys that I first started climbing with was from Japan. Mm-hmm. And he said that the way that the school system was slightly different there was that you kind of went into basically like a, a kind of a trade school. Like you kind of determined in high school where you were going to go. And then you started branching off to there and like learning specific stuff about what you were going to do, which, you know, it sounded interesting. But when I was 17, and I had to go in, talk with the guidance counselor and have that talk about, well, what are you going to do after school? Mm-hmm. Do you, are you going to be looking at colleges? What do you want to do? They put me on the spot. And at the time, I was taking like, a, I think it was like a one credit elective on how to do web design. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was fun. And so I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And then they look it up and they're like, okay, well, you should do this and this and this. And it didn't involve very much math. Math has never been a strong suit for me. Me neither. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And I was always, you know, pretty decent with computers, which, you know, actually waved goodbye to me a long time ago. <laughs> Joe earlier tonight when I couldn't figure out my Skype. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, all yeah, I was like, yeah, let's let's do that. I'll, I'll go to school for web design. Mm-hmm. And so after high school, I actually went to school for web design and I ended up getting an associate's degree in it. But when I started the course and I went in and did like the kind of the interview with the instructors and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, we got a hundred percent replacement or a hundred percent placement rate. And, you know, you're going to, you know, more than likely get a job. We're going to be getting like $100 an hour. Holy shit. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. This was, this was in the late nineties, early two thousands when the dot com bubble before it had burst and there was websites, you know, just going up everywhere and they couldn't get enough people to design these sites. Well, by the time I got to the last year of the graphic design course for that associate's degree, Mm -hmm. They couldn't even place interns anymore. Oh my goodness! Gosh, <laughs> yeah. That's oh yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And then you know every every place out there, 
that was hiring, they didn't, they wanted somebody with at least a four year degree, which I didn't have, mm-hmm. and then with a few years of experience. And it's like, how am I going to get experience? And then, you know, I mean, I, my, my girlfriend was younger than me. And so I wasn't willing to move away and try and have this long distance relationship. And, you know, also I, I love the area that I'm from and I like mm-hmm. that, that my parents and my grandparents and, you know, the majority of my, my immediate, all my immediate family is all in this area. And so it's like, well, I don't want to move. And I don't know, I've never, you know, I, gr- I grew up in a small town my whole life. And so, mm-hmm. and, and really this is something that, that I'd love to get your perspective on being mm-hmm. that you live you know, in in New York, which is that's what the biggest city Ugh, in the United States, probably. and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I grew up in you know Centerpoint, Iowa, which you know, tiny town, mm-hmm. and then I I moved to an even smaller town than I live <laughs> in now. That um, I mean, I don't know what the current census is now. I know it's it's grown quite a bit, but when we had this horrific flood in 2008, and mm-hmm. so there was having lots of, you know, data being put on the news and stuff, I think we were only around 1,000 residents in my town. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I know. Sorry. It's great. That's not so terrible. I'm sorry. I just – 1,000 – No, I want your perspective. That, I think that's how many that, people live so on great. my block. I think it was a thousand people in my block. Oh my goodness. You know, it's so weird. I, so, you know, I was born and raised here in New York and I don't, I I don't live in Manhattan, which is, uh, okay. Us New Yorkers, when we say the city, we mean Manhattan. Technically I live in the city because I live in one of the five boroughs around Manhattan, but we don't call it the city. We only call Manhattan the city. So I don't live in Manhattan or the city as we say here in New York. Um, I, I live in Queens, which is basically a suburb. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, I've, I've always lived here. I don't know what it is to, I don't know what it is to live in a small town. I, I know what it is to visit a small town, but Oh gosh, where do I even start with New York? I mean, it's so loud here. It's so, it's so crowded. I, I, I don't know. I don't know my neighbors like by first name. I don't know any of my neighbors by, maybe one of them by first name because there's a constant rotation. You know, the houses that are here uh, are mostly, they, they are like two family pre-war houses, but they're all rented out, you know, so someone will own them, but then, First floor is rented, the second floor is rented, etc. So there's always new people moving in and there's people moving out and people moving in and moving out. And so I know one of my neighbor's names because he's been here the longest. And it's like, okay, like today when I, when I was coming home from work, I was thinking about this topic because I knew you wanted to talk about it. And it's just so loud here. It's so loud and crowded and... You know, people, we live on top of each other. And I, I don't know what it is to not live like that. And that sounds terrible that I don't know what it is to not live with people all around me. But And there are times that I absolutely love New York. I, I love New York. I love that I could wake up on a Saturday morning and I could go and do a million things. I could go to a, a museum. I could go to the Central Park. I could go see a Broadway show. I could go to the movies. I could go to a little microbrewery. I could, I could go to a restaurant. I could do any of those things. Um, but then I also hate how many people are here. 
there's so many people here. <laughs> so many people. And then there's the tourists. Ah, oh, the tourists are terrible. I <laughs> I okay, I have a I have a love-hate relationship with the tourists because I get that New York is famous. I get people want to come here. I get that they want to see Times Square and the Empire State Building and and the Statue of Liberty and I get that. I do. It's just they forget that not every single building here in in New York is famous. Some of the buildings are just buildings with – they're just buildings with like a Bank of America and and an office. Like that's it. <laughs> you don't have to stop and take a picture of every building. <laughs> that made me think of Caddyshack. <laughs> Oh my god. Where where Rodney Danger is like, for Christ's sakes, it's a parking lot, yes. Wang. Yes. Yes. So like even even today, I'm I'm walking from my job down. I, I decided to walk to a further train station to try to get a, a, at least a mile walking today. And I walk to the further train station. And where where I work, I work right by Central Park, which is like a huge landmark in, in New York City. Um so there's always people there. And where I work, there's also a Trump hotel. So, uh, the, the, the protesters are never far away. There's always a lot of things happening where I work. So then I, I walk. There's still people protesting? Oh, every day, Joe. Every day. <laughs> because, and then if they're not there at that Trump hotel, they're at Trump Tower, which is in a different, not far from me either, actually. It's not that far from me. They're at Trump Why Tower. Why would they protest there? He's not there. Are they just no. protesting in front of a sign of his name? Pretty much. I mean, you know, wow. us, us New Yorkers, we'll just, whether you want to hear it or not, we're going to give you our goddamn opinion. I mean, we just okay, will. Okay, I like that. <laughs> we just will. And you're going to have to just sit there and take it. Okay? And that's it. And th- that's how we are. And so I'm, I'm walking down the avenue and... I'm, I, I'm trying to keep a good pace and I'm trying to walk around people. I'm trying not to shove anybody because that's rude. But then there's these tourists who want to stop and take a picture of every building that they see. And I'm like, do you not have buildings where you come from? Do you, do you not have structures? <laughs> do you live in a shack? I don't understand where you come from that you don't have buildings. I mean, and I know that sounds terrible. I know that sounds terrible. But for <laughs> for all the tourists that come here and they're strolling down the street and they stop in the middle of the street to take a, a picture, the rest of us live here. The rest of us work here. We're just trying to get home or we're trying to go to work. And you decide to stop in the middle of the sidewalk and take a picture. What What is that? I, <laughs> uh, yeah. But- that, that reminds me of this last summer, uh-huh. my wife and I went to Chicago. Her, her One of her best friends from high school moved to Chicago. And so they were like, oh, you got to come visit. And mm-hmm. my wife and I are not be around lots of people, people. Mm, oh, gosh. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we love Danielle dearly and we want to go see her and, uh, and, um, and uh, her boyfriend at the time and fiance now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... um we go to visit them. And so we're going and doing kind of the tourist thing where we're just walking around Chicago, which is, you know, that's the biggest city that I've been in. Right. And, uh, we're going 
like we ended up in like the Chinatown area and they're like, oh, we got to go in this shop. We got to go in that shop. <laughs> and I just felt touristy and horrible because I'm going into the shop and these shopkeepers are looking at me. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not buying shit here, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, why am I wasting this guy's time? Yeah. Why am I in here? And it's like, oh, I'm just being a tourist. Yeah. So I, I can kind of relate, yeah. but I, you know, I wasn't taking pictures of everything. No, that's all. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Thank you. But, you know, and this is why this is why New Yorkers have garnered this reputation that we're all rude. I have heard that from so many people. Oh, New Yorkers are so rude. You all are so rude here. Oh, why are you so rude? We're not rude. We're just very busy and we have places to go. And and we have to navigate these streets that are full of people. A lot of them who are not from here and don't know how to walk correctly on the sidewalk. And so we don't always have time for like pleasantries of like, I can't tell you how many times I've been stopped by like a tourist who's like, oh, excuse me, could you please tell me where I can find this building, that building or whatever. And I'm like, yes, go left, go right, go three blocks, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, that's so brusque. Yes, because I have places to go. I'm not on vacation here. You know, uh, I'm glad you get to be on vacation here. But this is a hustle bustle city. And there's definitely a part of me that loves that 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 movement. You know what I mean? Like, did you ever hear that that um, that piece Rhapsody in Blue? It's um, it's a classical piece by I, I want to say Irving Berlin. I think. Uh, I don't think so. It, it might be one of those things I'd recognize if yeah, I heard it. Yeah, and it's, but it's maybe I just don't know the name. It, yeah. Okay. So it's it's basically it's it's an instrumental piece, and it's meant to portray or convey New York life in this musical piece. So it starts out very slow, like just an oboe or a clarinet, very quiet, and then there's then there's like lots of movement and lots of action happening. And then at the end of the piece, it gets quiet again. And that's exactly how New York is. I mean, in the early morning, it's very quiet and not a lot happening. And then you get into Manhattan and it's, it's move, move, move. It's, it's just hustle, bustle, walk, 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 you know, walking around people and people are walking around you and, and, and you're on a subway and you're super crowded and, and there's no personal space on the subway. There just isn't. I mean, oh, that'd give me a panic attack. Yeah, it's it's. T- I could see why people who are not from here don't like the subway, but it really is the quickest way to get around New York. It truly is. I mean, it, forget driving in Manhattan. That's forget that. <laughs> um, that that's a nightmare. So people take the subway everywhere. So it's jammed. It's always jammed. And then you know, you get to where you're going, and then you have to navigate these streets that are full of people. And then there are just there. It's just so much movement here. And there's a big part of me that still likes that. I, I love that. I love that New York is alive. It's, it has a, it has a, a a pulse. It has a heartbeat and, and it's, it's, it's a living thing. And I, I do love that about this city. Um, but then there are times when, you know, you're jammed on that subway and the AC is not working and it's super hot. And, you know, someone's breathing down your neck and you're just like, why the hell do I live here again? Why do I not live somewhere else that's less people? Uh, and, yeah, you have your moments where you just, like, think about leaving the city completely. But um, I, I don't know. It's it's so hard to describe if you've never been here. But it it 
it, it really is very different. I, I don't know what it is to not be able to get on a subway at any time, day or night. The subway here runs 24 hours a day. I, I don't know what it is to not have that option to get home. If I'm out late, it's one o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'll just take the subway home. I, I don't know what it is to not have that option. I, I know other cities don't have that, but we do. 24 hours a day, That that those trains are running. <laughs> <laughs> On that uh, trip that my wife and I took to Chicago, mm-hmm. I think that was last summer. That was the first time I was ever on public transit. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, what would I have been? Yeah, 36 years old. <laughs> first time First time I rode a public bus. Oh, my God. First time I rode a public train. And we even took a boat taxi that day, like true tourists. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, now I have the opposite reaction when I go visit friends who don't live like near a city and we're in the car all day. I go insane. I go nuts. I cannot be in a car that long. It's, I have friends who live in, in like Northern uh, California area, like two hours south of San Francisco. Um, so when I go visit them, I like it because it's, it's very quiet and it is like removed from the big city, which is great. Um, but we get in the, anytime we want to go anywhere, oh, hey, let's go to, let's go to the movies. Oh, yeah, that's like half an hour away. Oh, my God, half an hour in a car? Or if we want to go someplace else, oh, yeah, that's like two hours away. No big deal. Oh, two hours away? What is that? Like, <laughs> I, I have the opposite reaction to cars. I, I don't understand why you'd be in a car that long. <laughs> that all sounds so familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it truly is like, it, I guess it really is just like culture shock because when we would go visit my dad's family in, in Delaware, they lived in a very, very small town. I mean, tiny, super tiny, small town. And it was so different. You know, I mean, obviously there's like no subways and there's like one main road and there's like, the big story in the paper one year was that they got a second traffic light and it was like, Oh my gosh, incredible. And that kind of stuff, like it, it, it makes me laugh because I'm like, you got a second traffic light that made the paper. <laughs> but it, again, it's, it's just, I, I was raised in a big city and I, it's just, it's different. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's why I'm so loud. And I talk all the time because you have to be loud to be heard over everybody, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a different experience living here. It really is. It's, oh, and it's not for everybody. That's for sure. I, I had a roommate once who she came to New York and she had lived like in small towns most of her life. And it was like her dream to come here. And she like envisioned herself like, coming to New York and like being like, yes, I'm finally home and this place will get me. And, and she just, she couldn't handle it. It was, she was miserable here. And she ended up, she ended up actually going on vacation back home to Kansas to visit her family. And then she called me from Kansas saying, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to stay here. (laughs) Like she just couldn't take it here in New York. Did you have to mail all your shit back to her? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> That's um, so weird. I, tell me about it. She was a real weirdo. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what happened was all she took was like a backpack full of her stuff like to go visit her family. And then she called me. She's like, I'm not coming back. And I was like, uh, 
okay, what do you want me to do with all your stuff? And she sent, she had, she had a friend who lived here. She sent him with a couple of boxes and he boxed up the stuff that she wanted. And he sent it to her, I guess. And then the rest of it, she told me I could just sell it. So I did. <laughs> it's really weird. She was a real weirdo. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how she, I don't even know how she lived with me for two years. But anyway, yeah, she was a total weirdo. And she just, yeah, she just couldn't take New York. She just couldn't take it. And it's not for everybody. It's really not. I, I've known plenty of people that have come here from small towns because they they think like, oh, no one in my town gets me. I'm going to go to New York where, you know, they're going to get me. They're going to understand me. And they get here and they just like, oh, no, this is not for me. And they go home. And, and that's cool. <laughs> and that's totally cool. And then you have people who come here and they're like, yes, I'm home. And then, you know, they, they make themselves New Yorkers. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd think it'd have to go, <laughs> have to go either way, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you think you stay or go. It's kind of only 50-50 at that point. But yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, people, I don't know. I feel like coming to New York has been so romanticized. You know what I mean? Like people think it's that's be, That's what I was just going to say. It yeah. seems like such a, like a movie cliche or oh, something, you know? Yeah, it's like, do you, uh, I don't know if you really watch musicals. I love musicals. Did you ever see Singing in the Rain? I've never seen that one. I like musicals better when I can see them live. I didn't oh, okay. appreciate them until the first time I saw a live one. Okay. And I th I think the first one I saw was State Fair. Oh, I love that one. It, Our it was, State it was Fair great to see. is a great State Fair. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that <laughs> And then, uh, uh, then I also saw Brigadoon live. And I really oh, liked that okay. one a lot. Yeah, that, that is a good one too. Yeah, it was definitely weird, and, and you know, me being like a sci-fi nerd, I was like, "Ooh, this is kind of cool." It's got like a time travel it, aspect. It does to it. have, a or, you little, know, like total time travel. Yes, it does have a little sci-fi aspect with singing and dancing, of course. But yeah, it does have a, a, well, a little yeah. like sci-fi. <laughs> but there, there's this scene in Singing in the Rain um, where Gene Kelly he's doing this like he's doing like this um, the scene where he's playing this character who basically is like a country bumpkin and he comes to the big city. He comes to New York because he wants to make it big on Broadway. And, you know, he's like this, he's like a real, Oh gosh. He really is like a country bumpkin. Like he's got these glasses and he's got high water pants and he's got this stupid little hat <laughs> and he's like doing this little dance, trying to impress everybody. And then of course, you know, I mean, it's, it's a movie duh, but like he like makes it big and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like that theme of coming to New York and, you know, making it big on Broadway and becoming this Broadway star, I, I feel like that's been so romanticized in the theater and in, in the movies. I mean, I'm sure most people know this, but it really doesn't happen that way, obviously. Like, it takes... Well, yeah, you'd think so. You got a city with, like, millions of people in it, and then you got all these other people that are thinking they're going to come there and make their dreams come true. And mm -hmm. it's like, really... Whether people want to admit this or not, there's a finite amount of dreams that are going to be able to come true when you're dreaming really big. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I'm sure the same thing happens like with people who live in LA. I'm sure there's, I mean, how oh, many- Oh, I bet it's way worse. Oh, it has to be. I mean, how many kids go to LA, you know, with like a, you know, they oh, a bus ticket in a dream and I'm going to be the next Tom Cruise. I'm going to be the next whatever. And yeah. And they end, end up, up being the next porn star instead. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's no different here. I mean, I, I know... Uh, yeah, people just think like they're going to come to New York and they're going to have a million opportunities and they're going to like make it big and they're going to be a star. And 
that just never happens. I mean, all of these quote unquote overnight successes is after putting in 20 years working at it, you know, to be an overnight success. Doesn't happen that way, but there's plenty of people who think it will. And so New York is full of those people. It's full of like dreamers who come here wanting to like, you know, make it big on Broadway and and do all kinds of stuff. And, you know, as you said, not everyone's dream is going to come true. It's just not. And I don't know. There's, There's lots of sad parts of New York, too, where you see people, you know, we have a huge, huge homeless problem here. And we have shelters, but... They're not safe. And so we have tons of people here who are homeless and in all kinds of terrible situations. And, you know, you have to think some of them have to be people who showed up here looking to fulfill some kind of a dream and just couldn't do it. And yeah, I mean, New York is awesome, but it's also can be very vicious, can be very, very vicious. And I don't think people are prepared for that when they come here always. That's a good descriptor of just humanity in general. That's yeah, that's true. You know, when you think of the amount of the capacity that the individual person has, you know, whether it be for for love and kindness or you know, cruelty even. And, you know the the one thing I noticed in Chicago being there is that and like I I think I talked about this on the, the, the episode I did with, with Eric Marable mm-hmm. is that I'd be walking down the street and people would bump Indian. Like, mm, oh, like yeah. excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's like they just like, like, oh yeah. Yeah. You're just a person in my way. <laughs> why, yeah, we, why pay we, you any consideration? But I guess, you know, when you have that many people on top of each other, I mean, you'd probably just be saying, excuse me over and over again. And after a while, it's like, eh, fuck this. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it kind <laughs> of is. I mean, we, we suffer of that too. I mean, I get bumped into a thousand times a day. I'm sure I've bumped into a million people over the last two days. I mean, it's, it's, if you said, excuse me, pardon me to every single person, you'd never stop saying, excuse me. You know, I, I feel like the real New Yorkers, the real true New Yorkers, we try our best to keep ourselves in our personal space and not invade other people's. But sometimes it, it is unavoidable. Someone jostles you. So you get shoved into somebody else. And, you know, especially on the train, you know, you try to say, I'm sorry, excuse me. I, I didn't mean to step on you or whatever. Um, and usually it's fine, you know, but then like, like you said, there are people who come here who are from smaller towns that they, they're just not used to that. And, and that's why people think that we're rude and that we're, we're like mean and angry all the time. And it really is not that. It's just that we're just really busy and there's a lot of people here. And so I'm, I may not always have time to, you know, Oh, hi. How are you? And how's the family? And, and, and what's going on with you? No, I'm sorry. I don't have time for all of that. So just ask me your questions so that we can all move on with our lives. <laughs> Well, that makes a lot more sense coming from your perspective. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's one of the things of living in a big city. I think it's, it's probably unavoidable no matter what big city you live in. Yeah, that's got to be, you know, and ah, it's just so different from what I'm used to. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) I, I remember one of the first trips I ever took, like by myself, I went to a friend, a, a friend's wedding in Minnesota, but not just Minnesota. Moose Lake, Minnesota. (laughs) 
Oh. The 10,000. Oh, my God. Yes. And let me tell you something. We drove through a town. I can't remember what the name of the town was. And you know how like, when you enter, like, these towns, it'll say, like, the name of the town. It'll, ha- it'll have, like, like the population, like, how, how many people live there. Uh-huh. And so we, we drove through this little town, and my friend's cousin is driving the car. And it said, welcome to, I don't know, whatever town. And it said, population eight. And I said, population eight, is that a typo? And he said to me, I shit you not. He said to me, it used to be nine, but somebody died. I was like, oh my God, where am I? What is this? I that Talk about culture shock. I think I was like 21 years old. I didn't know anything about my world outside of New York City. And I went to Moose Lake, Minnesota, population eight, the town over and I was like, oh my God, what is this? What is this? I like I had no idea these kinds of places existed outside of New York City. But yeah, talk about culture shock. I mean, that was like <laughs> crazy. <laughs> can you see very many stars in the night sky from where you're at in Queens? We have like one star we can see. I'm not exaggerating. Um <laughs> Do you do you remember? Oh gosh, this this is this movie is is totally accurate. Do you remember the first Madagascar movie? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, like when the animals are in the zoo and they go, oh look, the star is out tonight, and then yeah. he goes, nope, just a helicopter. That is so true. I mean, oh gosh, I, if 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 Bernie Ortiz listens to this podcast, he'll back me up on this. It's so true. You will look up in the sky and you will see one or two stars. Um, and then you'll go, oh, wow, look, there's like an extra star. Oh, no, wait, it's a helicopter. Never mind. <laughs> it's, 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 it's absolutely not an exaggeration. But I, when I was in Minnesota, I saw so many stars. And that Isn't was... Isn't it cool? It was, it was so beautiful to me. Like, it, it made me sad for how much light pollution we have here in New York. Ah, so much light pollution. And uh, I still, like, I think that's probably why when I go on vacation, although I do enjoy going to other big cities, you know, every so often, I love going to the to smaller towns. I love going to the country because you can really see the stars. You, you can, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's really, really pretty. If I were to go and walk out my back stoop right now and look mm-hmm. up, I'd probably be able to pick out the Pleiades. Oh my and gosh! The the Pleiades is a really faint, small constellation. Uh-huh. That, uh huh. That actually, and this is something that James, or no, no, maybe I didn't hear from James. I might have heard this from Neil deGrasse Tyson on Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> but like James is right up there with Neil deGrasse Tyson for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure on Cosmos it said that the Pleiades was actually like what the Romans used to accept people into the army. Like if you had the visual acuity to pick out like six of the nine stars or whatever in the Pleiades, mm-hmm. then you could be in the like the Roman legionnaire or whatever it would be. That's neat. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, the one thing that I've never seen with my own eyes, but I see in pictures all the time, and it's something that's like, it's on my bucket list of things that I really want to see mm-hmm. is that, you know, you see that, like a picture and it's like, you can like see like the Milky Way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never actually seen that with my bare eyes. I've seen like beautiful starscapes 
in Iowa, especially when I go out camping in these places where we go rock climbing, because there's very little, I mean, there's practically no light pollution in those places. Sure. I've just never actually seen that with my bare eye or with, mm. you know, with, with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, I want to see that sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a weird thing that, like, here you don't see any stars at all. It, the only time I've ever seen a lot of stars in New York is when we, we had the blackout <laughs> back in 2003. We had a big blackout. <laughs> we had a huge blackout here. And, um, you can I mean, see you know, blackout, lot. not good, but yay. Yes, stars. I know. It was like <laughs> wild because I remember looking up and I was like, Oh my gosh, look how many stars you can see. It was incredible to me. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. When you talk about Iowa, Joe, I like, and I know it's the wrong state, but my mind goes to like the, the movie Oklahoma where they're, where they're like walking huh. through all these cornfields. And oh, that's very much what like a lot really? of it is like. <laughs> I like I have ze- I don't have any experience living in a place or even visiting a place like that. But that that's how like I imagine like these giant cornfields and and which is like so different, obviously, than what we have here. <laughs> <laughs> where where I grew up, um, if I walked just straight out of my backyard. I would literally, depending on the year, because the farmers switch back and forth between corn and soybeans. Mm-hmm. But if it was a corn year, I could just walk right into a cornfield, just like in Field of Dreams. Oh my gosh, that's like wild yeah. to me. That's like so yeah. wild out there to me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you try and walk down those rows of corn, those leaves are sharp, and they will cut the shit out of your. Really? Oh. <laughs> Not fun. If you go and run through a cornfield, you're going to have like paper cuts all over your body. <laughs> really? I did not know that at all. Wow. It's vicious. Uh, man. <laughs> but I mean, it was kind of cool because then like when it would be harvested or whatever, and it was just a big open field in the backyard, I could go out there with a bucket of golf balls and just drive golf balls and then go out and try and find them. Oh, wow. Or, you know, hit, hit a baseball or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, you know, it, it was kind of cool growing up like that. And, you know, the amount of times that I think about, or when I think about the amount of times that my friends and I would just jump on our bikes and we'd just go. There's a a thing here in in this part of Iowa called the Cedar Valley Nature Trail. Mm -hmm. And it's like this crushed limestone bike and, you know, walking and running trail that it goes from, I think it might be longer now, but I know when I was a kid, it went from Cedar Rapids all the way up to Waterloo, which in a car, that's that's like an hour and a half drive or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd jump on this nature trail on our bikes and we'd just go until we'd find like a bridge over a creek. And then we'd, you know, leave the nature trail and go and explore this creek. And so, you know, lots of nature memories mm-hmm. growing up. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, I mean, that's just part of like, you know, my, if you want to compare it to like inside out, you know, those are my, like my core memories. Right. Is so many of them involve, you know, nature and, and um, like one of the things I wanted to ask you was mm-hmm. when you'd mentioned earlier that when you go on vacation, you like to go to small towns. Do you find, do you find the silence like disquieting at all? Or I mean, I guess you said that New York gets quiet quite a bit, like in the mornings. Yeah. For like five minutes, it's quiet. <laughs> no, that's an exaggeration, obviously. Um, so like the weird thing is, so when I, when I get outside of New York and, you know, even like here in, in, in the city, if you just drive like an hour north. You're like in upstate New York, which is extremely, there's like mountains and it's very, it's very nature 
ish. Like it's, it's very not city at all. Um, so j- just like an hour north of the city, you could forget you're, you're in Manhattan, you're, you're, you're in New York. Um, which is, which is nice because you have that, that flexibility. But so like if I go away like to a, a small, small town or like a quiet area, like the first day or two, I'm like, oh my God, the silence is amazing. Oh, I love it. This is so great. I can really like disconnect and I can like recharge and, you know, I get like all Zen and everything. I'm like really happy for like two days. And then I start getting antsy. Like, oh my God, it's so quiet. Why is it so quiet here? <laughs> so quiet. <sighs> Why are doing sounds? And then I start getting. I start almost getting nostalgic for the sounds and it's really strange that I long for the sounds of traffic that night like that I would I mean that makes it. sense it's got to be a constant background in your life right it, it it is like where I live I do not live near like a big highway or anything but I do live near um I do live near uh an elevated train which is part of the subway system so as I said you know the train runs 24 hours so I'm it, it gets quiet enough at night that I can hear the train, which is a couple blocks away. I can hear it when it passes by. It's not like super loud, but I can hear it. And it's something very soothing about hearing that like clickety clack, clickety clack of the train. And, and it, I don't know, it like makes me feel content that I'm so close to a mode of transportation, I guess. I don't, but I do have a friend who used to live um, in a part of New York where he was right by a highway uh, and, you know, all the time he would hear traffic outside his window uh, all, all the time. So then he moved away from New York. He moved to California and he moved to like Fresno, which is not like a small town at all, I don't think, but uh, smaller than New York. But, you know, so I asked him one day, like, how's it going? Do you like it? And he's like, oh, my God, would you like go stand outside the highway? Would you please record the sounds of traffic and send it to me? Because I can't sleep. I can't sleep. He, he, oh, no. he literally could not fall asleep because he was used to hearing that constant drone of just, you know, the sound of traffic. And he it took him, he said, like six months to acclimate to the sound of nothing. <laughs> that he could oh, then wow. it was really weird for him and i think i would yeah for me i have the same experience even if i'm just like a week away after a couple of days i'm like oh my god it's so quiet why is it so quiet <laughs> why <laughs> why are there no other people here what's happening like it's yeah i i get <laughs> i get very nostalgic for for noise and then i come back to new york and then i i the, the first like couple of hours i'm like oh yes i'm home and then i'm like oh god all these people. Ah! And then I get right back to where I was before. <laughs> I, I mean, this it's, it's, I, I don't know. There, there's like no solution to this problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, with your friend not being able to sleep without that, that white noise sound in the background, uh-huh. I, I can totally relate to that. I have to sleep with a fan on. Mm, okay. I, I, I cannot sleep silence, uh, sleep in silence. Like, mm-hmm. If I'm dead asleep in the middle of the night and the power goes out and my fan shuts off, I wake right up. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. And it's to the it, – it, like when I started doing a lot more camping as an adult, like when I got into climbing, I ended up doing a lot more tent camping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go out and f- buy a little fan that runs on four <laughs> 9-volt batter- or four D batteries. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, and I, and I like I set it right beside my head in the tent because it's small, so it's quiet, and so I have to have it right there. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Picturing myself 
like I don't know, uh, like playing a movie or something of like Sounds of New York or whatever, and like, oh, yeah. now I can fall asleep. <laughs> Maybe that'll do it for you. <laughs> but like you know, when we go on vacation, if we get a hotel room and like the fan in the in the in the room, you know, on like the you know the AC unit or whatever, mm-hmm. if it's like a really fancy one and it's really quiet, like I'm screwed. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I've actually been on vacation before and go went and found like a Target or a Walmart and, and went bought, and bought a, a box fan. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to fit this in the trunk on the way home. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I'm just picturing you have a whole room in your house full of fans, like <laughs> from all your vacation trips. <laughs> <laughs> room where i keep all my fans when i go on vacation <laughs> i have to take them all out to my garage it gets so hot out there <laughs> oh my gosh i i don't know what new york gets like in the summertime but iowa we get humidity just horrible to where you know it could be like 100 but then with the heat index with the humidity it might be like oh actually it's 110 mm-hmm. yeah. or something like that and it's oh we get the same in, in august it's terrible here it's terrible. Yeah. Oh my god! You know, you know what's worse is August in New York when it's like a hundred degrees, one hundred and ten with the humidity. Chinatown, Chinatown in New York in August is not the place to be ever. It is so stinky. It is beyond stinky. It is terrible. <laughs> Stinks. I mean, why specifically Chinatown? Um. I think it's because there's a lot of, okay. So when you go to Chinatown in New York, you will find like, obviously a lot of like Chinese restaurants, but you'll also find a lot of like Chinese, like herbal medicine places. And so they have lots of, um, they have lots of like really exotic, like herbs and fungi. And like here in New York, we have a lot of the, uh, of the ginkgo trees that they, that they, they make these little, these little balls. And um, I, I think that's what they make ginkgo biloba out of, I think. But when they hit the ground and if they get squished, they release this smell. It's disgusting. Um, but something, I guess, in Chinese medicine, um, they use it for that. So there's one smell <laughs> for that. And then there's also a lot of like places where you can buy like whole like ducks and 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 chickens and stuff and then the garbage pickup in new york in general is can be a little spotty sometimes and so you have all of these like animal carcass you have herbs you have all kinds of like plant stuff and it just starts to pile up very quickly because here in new york we generate a lot of garbage and then the heat starts cooking it and it is terrible I mean, it is, it's really, really, it's like just this mix of smells. It's, it's very terrible. <laughs> That's what I remember from the first time I went to Chicago when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I remember walking around downtown Chicago and it'd be so weird because you'd be walking along and you'd be like, wow, it kind of smells like brownies or something. That's kind of pleasant. You'd be like, oh, nope, that smells like rotting garbage or shit. <laughs> yep. It just like switch on a dime, and so it'd be like like ah oh, pleasant, pleasant, horrible, yep, horrible, oh pleasant again. <laughs> oh my god, that is exact. That is a that is an absolutely true description of New York in the summer. It is oh, 
Because, you know, because, I mean, think about it. You have a, let's say you have a block of, of, of apartment buildings, right? And each, let's say each apartment building has, I don't know, a hundred people in them. You have a hundred people buildings times how many buildings, I don't know, a, a thousand people living on a block and they're each producing garbage so that when it's garbage day and all those bags go on the sidewalk, it's huge. It's gigantic amounts of garbage and New York just stinks in the summer. It is so smelly and it's the smell of rotting garbage. And then, you know, we have so many different like cultures here, which is great. But then you have all these different smells of like foods and stuff and that food garbage, they don't really those smells are just terrible and they start to mix together and they're sitting in the heat. Oh no, I know what you mean. It's there. just, it's just, <laughs> it's like this overall general stink like, that we get here. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, I guess it's just, you know, part of living in an urban environment. Yeah. I, I remember the first apartment that my wife and I had, um, it had these like, you know how interior doors in a house are like hollow core. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah, our exterior door on our our apartment was a hollow core door, which gave you a real warm and comfy feeling yeah. inside in terms of security. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, and then to make it even worse, it had a big gap at the bottom mm. like an interior door would have. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, and so we, we had the top floor in this wing of the apartment, and so there was four apartments on the top floor. And so not the people that were across the hall from us, but the people that were across the hall in like over one. Mm-hmm. I never figured out what ethnicity they were, but everything they cooked had huge amounts of onions in it. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, we would smell the onions in our apartment, mm. <laughs> like, like every oh, gosh. freaking night. <laughs> it's t- you know it 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 does it does get tough. Like where I live, um, my neighborhood is predominantly people from I would say like India, Pakistan, and then West Indies. So, which is like, it's great for like, when I want to eat Indian food, I have places nearby, which is great. Or if I want to have roti, I have lots of places nearby for that as well. But then in the summer, you know, you've got your windows open because you want to enjoy that nice breeze and then everybody's cooking and then all the smells start to mix. And it does create an interesting aroma when all the just all the neighbors are cooking and they all blend together into one overall smell. It is. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that, that you've been doing lately that is really awesome is this 100 Miles in March. Mm, yes, my little project. My little project. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that idea? So I was... Uh, I, I wish I could say I thought of it, but I didn't. I, I, I wanted to use March as a real training month because I do have a half marathon at the end of April. And I wanted March to be really like training focused for that half. And so I started like trying to think of ideas of like what I could do. And I was just goofing off on Instagram and I saw somebody had a hashtag of a hundred miles in March challenge. And I was like, Oh, what's this? So I clicked on it and it was exactly what it sounds like. It was a challenge to do a hundred miles in March, like to walk it, run it, jog it, whatever you could do. And I thought, wow, that's an awesome challenge. I, I would like to do that. 
And I put a schedule together and I planned out, you know, what, when I could do it and how I could do it, et cetera. And so I just decided to just jump in and do it. It's just how I do most things in life. I just jump in and do it. And, um, yeah, so I just today I, I hit 25 miles. So I'm a quarter of the way through the hundred mile challenge. That's pretty awesome because yeah. you're really not that far into March. No, I, I'm 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 further ahead than I was on my schedule. Um, so I mean, you haven't even hit the double digits yet. No, it's true. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I haven't yet. So I'm I'm actually glad because you know, especially in March, you know, the weather here is very is extremely variable. Like right now, like today, it was very nice. And it was like very spring-like, but we're supposed to get like frigid temperatures and snow on Saturday. So, I yeah, mean, same here, same here in Iowa. Okay. My wife was just telling me that earlier. It's nuts. So, I'm like what? Yeah, and <laughs> no, I don't want snow. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, me neither. I mean, I don't want it either. And the thing is that, like, you know, part of part of the whole like doing doing the half marathon and doing this hundred miles in March is all part of my of my ongoing weight loss journey to put it that way, I guess it's, it's part of my weight loss journey of that. I started doing this last year. Um, I got sidetracked a little bit from injuries, um, but then I was able to get back on track uh, late last year. Um, And so I'm just, I don't know. I just feel like ever since I did my first half marathon last October, I've just been on this momentum of just, you know, keep on going, keep on going. And I really don't want to lose it. And so doing this hundred miles in March challenge was one way to do that, that I could keep myself focused um, for for this month and also for next month, because next month is, is the half marathon. When you have your times where you go out and run, are you just like running down the sidewalk or do you go to um, a gym on a treadmill? Yeah, it, it depends. So like um, there are days that I do go to the gym and I get on the treadmill and I just – I, yeah, I, I, I do my miles on the treadmill. Then there are other days um, I will do miles walking like this on the sidewalks of New York. So I don't get to move as fast as I'd like to <laughs> on those days because I'm dodging people left and right. But <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered how that would work. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always interesting because I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of New Yorkers that jog on the sidewalk all the time. And they're just, it's like an obstacle course. You know, you, you, you kind of it's weird because you're kind of just like scanning ahead and you're just like kind of like weaving in and around people. And you just hope nobody moves to the left or the right because you've already plotted your course all the way to the corner. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it is on, on the street. I, I, I'll walk from my job. I'll walk about three miles or so down to a different train station um, and, to, and then I'll come home. Um, and then on, on the weekends when I don't have to work is when I definitely do my long runs when I try to do either six or 10 miles and those I will do, um, probably like in a park where there's a track, um, like near where I live, actually, we do have, um, like a professional track. It's part of like, um, so there's like a track, there's a soccer pitch, there's, um, like, uh, benches that you can like do like sit-ups and stuff there uh, and like local high schools and stuff use it for like kids to 
who, who are running track and, and practicing for track meets. And then you have like soccer teams and leagues that'll play there as well. Um, but yeah, anyone can just go on this track, which is nice. So I, I'll do, I'll do track, I'll do loops on the track. Um, any way that I can get the miles in, I'll, I'll do it. Um, yeah, so I can, at, at this point, it, it is about, I am trying to improve my speed, but I also want to work on my stamina. Like I want to be able to do, 10 miles without feeling like I'm going to drop dead, which six months ago, I, I probably would have felt that way, but I, I'm at a point where I can do 10 miles and I don't feel like I'm going to drop dead on the sidewalk. So that's good. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't, I don't think I've ever ran more than seven miles and I might've only ever one ran one seven mile run. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really weird because I discovered running, um, I was never on the track team, like in, in high school. I I was not a sports person. Oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Um, on top of all the other things I had going against me, I'm also still a huge klutz. I I will trip over anything and everything. <laughs> I I come home and I have bruises on me, and I'm like, how did that happen? I did I walk into something? Apparently, I did. I don't remember doing it. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge klutz. So I was not exactly the sporty type in school. And I also had like, when I was a kid, I had childhood asthma, um, which was also made worse by the fact that I was chunky. So that didn't really help me. So I started doing this weight loss thing. I started about a year and a half ago, I guess. And, uh, I, I, I didn't know where to start. Like a lot of people who say, well, I, I want to lose weight. Well, where do I start? I don't know. And, I have a friend who she was actually training for a half marathon, the same one I'm about to do in April. She did it two years ago and she was training for it. And I was like, okay, how how do I start? Like, what do I do? And she said, just move, just get up and move, walk. Just even if it's just a couple of blocks, just walk. Okay. So I started doing that. I started going with her on her training runs. Um, You know, she would, of course, like, leave me in the dust, but I would still do it with her, like to as best I could. And, um, I discovered like, I'm like, man, why didn't I ever do this before? This is pretty awesome. All I have to do is just walk. And then I walk a little faster and I walk a little faster and that's it. You know, I mean, I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying, but it's, it, it's basically all that it is. And so I started doing that in addition to doing other stuff at the gym. Like I, I also do cardio at the gym and I, I do lift some weights and, um, just as a part of like a, like, like a cross training thing. But, um, yeah, I start, I just started by walking and I, uh, my friend who did her half marathon about, I guess, two years ago now, since then, you know, she's unfortunately developed like some health problems and she hasn't been able to really return to doing that as much as she wanted to, but she really inspired me a lot. And, so now here I am about to do my second half marathon, which <laughs> I never thought I would ever be saying that in my life. Um, That's so awesome. It's, it's, such an, it's such an awesome experience. I would just encourage anybody that – and you don't have to start with a half marathon, of course. But like think about doing a 5K, which is three miles. I know it sounds like, oh my gosh, three miles. But three miles is actually not that difficult and you could certainly work up to it. And uh, yeah, it's totally manageable. Yeah. Like the, the very first race I ever did, it was called the Chardonnay run and it was a 5k 
And you got a glass of wine at the end. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That's so, awesome. So, <laughs> I mean, what doesn't appeal to my alcoholic self? I get to do, I get to have a glass of wine at the end of a race. Okay, that's good motivation for Rebecca to do this. Um, so it was like a little fluffy race. And it, it was a lot of fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, this was so much fun. I loved it. It was great. And then I started thinking about, well, are there any 10Ks I could do? Because that would just be double this. Maybe I could do that too. And, and I did a 10K and I was like, ooh, what's after a 10K? And then I, I, then I got that. That's when I got side, sidelined by some injuries. So then I got, I kind of had to, I had to stop like focusing on, on the running and I had to work on getting my back better and, um, which I did. And, um, Oh, it was a back injury. Yeah. So it started out as actually uh, a tendon injury. I, I hurt the tendon in my left foot. There's a, a tendon called the posterior tibial tendon. And I only know this because um, I did so much research on this injury. Um, so it's the tendon that runs behind your shin bone, basically. And it mm-hmm. runs behind your calf muscle and it cur- curls around your ankle. It's the biggest tendon in your body, the longest, whatever. And it also is the one that's most prone to injury, especially to runners. Um so I hurt, I, I, I hurt the tendon. I, I knew I did something to my foot because my foot was swollen. It was painful. I could barely walk on it. I went to specialist and he's like, you hurt your tendon and you got to take care of it. Otherwise you'll rip the tendon. And the, that's a horrible injury. Oh, have you ever had that before? No, thank God. I've never oh. actually ripped a tendon, but I've ruptured tendons and okay. pulleys. Okay. In my fingers. And oh, they take forever to get. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that like the tendon is like a rubber band. So, if you know, just like a rubber band, it is elastic and it can stretch. But just like a rubber band, if you stretch it too far too often, you will break it. And then once you rip your tendon, there is no cure other than they must operate. They have to go in and operate. And I did not want. Another op. I've had operations on other stuff in the past. I didn't want uh, another surgery, much less on my foot, which, you know, here I am just really getting going in my running. Um, yeah. So the, so the doctor said to me, you need to wear this camo boot. And those are those really tall black boots that like you like, they have like a thousand straps on them and like you slip your foot into them. Um, okay. And it comes, it, mine was really tall. So the point of it is it, it immobilizes your ankle. So you can't, really use it and the bottom of the of the camo boot is like rock it's like curved almost like a rocking chair you know how it has that curve so that when Mm -hmm. you walk you're not putting direct pressure you're curving right so it's 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 low impact basically Uh so i mean is that kind of like those sketcher shoes yeah exactly exactly that's exactly (laughs) what it's like but it's 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 hard it's like durable plastic it's really really hard okay so i'm he said, wear this camo boot for six months. Excuse me, six weeks, not six months. Six weeks. And then you have to go see another doctor. He's going to give you a special brace. So I did that. I wore the camo boot. Um, and then I went to the other doctor and I got the special brace. And everything seemed to be going well. The tendon was healing. And I felt great. And then one day, <laughs> I bent down to pick something up. And when I stood up, I felt something in my back pop. 
And I, I said, ouch. (laughs) And I thought, I thought I pulled a muscle. That's really what I thought because just that's what it felt like. I felt like I pulled a muscle and I, I took some leave and it went away and I was fine. So two days later, I'm, I'm at work and I work in an office. So I'm sitting down and my, my right, my right back, my right lower back, um, and my, my, my leg and my glutes are in agony. I mean, terrible pain. I can't sit. I'm in terrible, terrible pain. So I go to a back specialist now and he says, Oh, you herniated a disc. Classic presentation. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? I said, how in the world did I herniate a disc? And he's asking me about any previous injuries I had. And I mentioned the tendon. He goes, were you in a camo boot? I said, yeah. And he goes, you know, if you walk around too much in those things, you herniate a disc. I'm like, oh, that's nice that no one told me that. It's great. Yeah, no shit. Thanks for letting me know, nobody ever. Um, so yeah, so in healing the tendon, I was basically walking, you know, I was, I was basically walking lopsided. Um, and my back was put under a strain. And so I herniated a disc and the disc was pressing on a nerve. So I had a pinched nerve and I had a herniated disc. So of course the doctor I went to is a back surgeon. So he's like, oh, we should operate. And I was like, fuck no. Excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I said, gosh, no. No, Oh my God. Did you hear episode two with me and Jordan? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Jordan, I, I listen. Jo- Jordan's the expert on the f bombs. I don't even try to come close to him and Joe. I don't come close. Um, so I, I was like, "There's no way I'm having another surgery." And then there was no guarantee that the surgery was going to work. So this doctor wants to go digging around in my lower back to pull out pieces of this disc that may or may not help me and I may or may not have pain for the rest of my life and I may or may not need more surgery later. And I'm like, okay, I know that there's no guarantees in life, but I, this is just, I'm, I said before I'm not a gambler and I wasn't about to gamble with this. So I went and sought a second opinion and they sent me to physical therapy, which was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because my physical therapist taught me so many exercises to help me. Basically what we did was we, we worked on stretching out my back to pop that disc back into place. And at the same time I was learning exercises to strengthen my abs and my core so that I could walk better. I could like stand up better. I could, I could have more energy and I also went to, I, I also got um, acupuncture for the pain. And so after like a couple of months of PT and acupuncture, I mean, I'm, I'm almost good as, I was almost good as new. I mean, without exaggeration, I, I mean, I'll never be a hundred percent because once you hurt your back, you always have a back problem. But um, I was way better than when I started out. And so that was probably about June of last year. And I started to feel really good again. And that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to sign up for a half marathon because I'm crazy like that. And I did. I signed up for one in October of last year. And so I spent the whole summer training for it. And um, it was it was an awesome experience. I, I, I mean, I had to go. I had to go through all those injuries to learn my limits, I think. But it taught me a lot of really good lessons 
on how to have better posture, how to help my back. Even now today, I still do all my PT exercises all the time because it helps my back. Um, and it, it's given me like a lot of core stability. So yeah, so then I was able to get back on track after that. And um, here I am. I've got two half marathons this year. <laughs> oh, you signed up for two of them? Yeah. <laughs> I signed up for one in April and uh, another one in October. And I'm, I'm, Boy, I'm, I, I'm eyeing I'd a third need one. I that long of a recovery time. <laughs> I'm eyeing a third one in November. I haven't decided yet, but... Holy cow. I know. I know. I'm like a glutton for punishment. But to be honest, it's it's really all because I, I really have this crazy goal that I, I want to run the New York City Marathon, the full one. And Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I have a long-term um, I have a long-term goal on that one because I'm, I'm not ready this year and I won't be ready next year either. But I have a goal for 2020 to run the New York city full marathon. And, uh, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to train my butt off to, <laughs> to do that. It's always been a goal of mine to run a half marathon and uh, it's, it's nothing I've ever done any formal training for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said earlier, I think I've run like maybe one seven mile run. <laughs> like the, the majority of the runs that I would always do would be usually around three or four miles. Mm-hmm. But you know but, uh, what? That but that's how I started too. Like I, the the very first time I went with my with my girlfriend to go like on, on her on, on one of her trainings, we did two miles, uh, and then we did two miles back. So total of four, right? So after I did the first two miles, I was like, "Oh my god, this is terrible! I can't walk this far. What is this?" You know. And then we had to like take a break, and then we walked back. Um, and when I did my first half marathon last year, I honestly did the majority of it walking. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not like a runner runner in the sense of like, I can just run for like hours without stopping. That's not me. I can walk really fast and I can jog for a good amount of time and I can even run for a little bit, but I did my first half marathon mostly walking and I did it in under four hours. And if I can do it, oh my God, anybody could do it. Anyone could do it if I could do it. <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not like, I'm no health guru. Like I'm no, I'm no health expert. I, you know, I, I decided I wanted to start losing weight and I decided to make changes in my life after a lifetime of making bad choices when it came to eating and having a bad relationship with food and looking at food as something that was going to like give me some kind of an emotional comfort. Um, but yeah, that little bit of mouth pleasure you get. Yeah. And you know, it's, I mean, when it comes, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things of like a whole lifetime of, of bad eating habits and bad living habits is not erased overnight. It's just not like for anything. So that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll never forget. I, I was talking to someone on, on, on Instagram, um, somebody who's like on a weight loss journey too. And I, she was posting like some something she had done. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. And I said, you know, I feel so frustrated because I feel like it's taking me forever to reach my goal. Like I'm never going to get there. And she said to me, she said, 
you didn't put on all that weight in one day. It's not going to come off in one day either. Excellent. Those are the sage <sighs> words of advice I got from a friend as well. Right? Like almost, <sighs> almost to the T. And then I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Ah, oh, it was it was like exactly what I needed to hear. And ever since then, that's become my mantra. So like, yeah. like right now, to be honest with you, I am I am kind of stuck at one weight. I've been stuck at this one weight for more than two months. So I'm a little frustrated. And there are times where I get so frustrated that I start to like lapse back into old habits of eating like, well, does it even matter because I'm stuck at this weight and I'm not losing it and blah, 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 you know, you, 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 you psych yourself out. And mm-hmm. then you have to say, I, I really just repeat that to myself, Rebecca, you did not put this all on in one day. It's not going to come off in one day. And just because you're stuck here right now does not mean you will be stuck here forever. And so just, <laughs> just relax and take a deep breath and go for a run and you'll feel better. And, <laughs> And that's usually what does it. I will feel better after. A How true is that too? So you know, true. I mean, they call it runner's high, but I mean, it, essentially what it is is just a release of endorphins uh, in your body. Let me tell you something. It is, there's nothing. So like earlier, when was it? Earlier this month, I did a, no, sorry, earlier in, in February, I did a, a little four mile race and I said, starting out the race, I wanted to do it in an hour. Like that was my goal to do the four miles in an hour and so I'm doing the course and I'm feeling good and I have my, I have my Runtastic app going. Every 10 minutes it tells me my speed, how many miles I've gone, how long it's taken me to get there. Like every 10 minutes it'll tell me, which is a great little reminder to see like where I am pacing wise. So I'm approaching like the last, I don't know, couple of the last, I don't know, maybe quarter of a mile of the race. And I realize, oh my God. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it in under an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do my goal. I was so excited. I like took off like a shot, like, like, like the flash. I just took off and I, (laughs) I don't know where this energy came from because I was tired, but I did that last quarter mile in like a dead run. I was so happy. I was so proud of myself that I just couldn't contain it. Like, and I just crossed that. I mean, you would have think I, you would have thought I ran like a, like, like an ultra or something. Like I was so proud of myself, but because I beat my goal, I made a goal and I beat it. And there's, there's nothing like that. There's no high like that. It is so fulfilling. It's so awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way, like in your rock climbing, like if you've beaten a goal or you've gotten further than you had planned or, you know, you do something you've never done before. You feel so proud of yourself. It's very true. Um, you get to the very top of a route and all of a sudden you find yourself clipping the rope into the top anchors and you're like, oh, I did it. Yes, I did, I did it. it against against all odds. I can't <laughs> believe I've done it. <laughs> It's such an uh, such an amazing feeling, like especially to like go from like feeling like I was never gonna feel like when I was like going to PT. I think I was like two or three sessions in, and and my therapist was like she was giving me a massage to help my back, and I just started crying, like just out of no because I, I I'm a crier anyway. I'll cry for anything, so I just started crying. And this poor woman, I guess 
she didn't know what to do with me. She was like, oh my God, what's happening? Why are you crying? Did I hurt you? Like, what, what what's going on? And I'm like, I'm so frustrated. I'm never going to feel any better. I'm always going to be in pain. This is terrible. Like I had that moment where I just felt so terrible. And then to think of where I am now versus where I was then, I can't believe I'm the same person. <laughs> like, I can't believe, I can't believe I, I was able to do it. Like, it's, I'm, I have no problem in saying I am proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. No one's prouder of me than me. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It's incredible. A little be. bit of perspective will give you. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's that's where I am. So my first half marathon's next next month, late next month. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. That is and you should be proud of you. <laughs> I you know? It's, it's something like, I, I think sometimes we, we, we forget to tell ourselves it's okay to be proud of ourselves. You know what I mean? Like to say, to be a little self-centered and say, I'm proud of me, you know, screw all you other people. I'm proud of me. And, and <laughs> everyone who thought I couldn't do it. Well, you know what? F you, I did it. So there. And, and that's, that's good. It's good to have that kind of pride in yourself because you know, I don't, I, I don't look like a runner. I, I, I'm not lean. I'm not, you know, I'm not very muscular. I don't look like a runner. So when I'm out on the track and I'm in Central Park with all these like elite runners, I get people looking at me with a very judgy look of like, oh, sweetie, do you think you really should be doing that? Maybe you just want to go have brunch and eat pancakes. Like that's those people are the worst. They are the worst. And you know what? Um, you have to you have to be able to look past that. You have to be able to ignore that and hear the voice inside your head and in your heart that says, "You know what? I belong here just as much as you do. I don't look like you, and that's fine. But I I can I can do this. I know I can do this because I've done it before." And I'll do it again. You have to be able to look past that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had something like that happen to me. And it's only happened once mm -hmm. in climbing. But we were we were at this place where it's it's on private property, but it's it's like a private property where they also have lots of other people out there that aren't climbing. Mm -hmm. And they were having a big party. And we were out climbing, and some people wandered down the trail, and they're like, ooh, what are you guys doing? And so we're like, yeah, hang out, watch. And so it was like a couple guys, and I'd, I'd assume they were probably in their 20s, and they watch my friend Troy climb this really difficult route. And Troy's a really strong climber, and like, I've seen him do things before up on the wall where I'm just like, holy shit, like... Like cut his feet loose and just be hanging by two two finger pockets. Mm -hmm. So he's literally just hanging by like you know like two fingers on each hand, and like his feet are just hanging loose, and he's wow. just gonna seeing what to do. And then he'll do like a pull up on it, like a camp that's climbing. It's called a campus move. Mm -hmm. And then he'll lock off the one arm and then reach up and grab another hold with the other hand, and then get his feet on the wall and continue climbing. And it's just like holy shit, dude! I couldn't imagine being that strong. But he's also like 150 pounds. He's right. been climbing for yeah. like oh, oh, like half his life or something like that, you know. And he makes it look really easy. And so these dudes are watching Troy climb, and they're just like, "Oh, that's impossible! That's impossible! No way! No way! I could never do this!" Mm -hmm. And then they watch me climb a route, 
And then I get down and then the one dude just starts talking shit. He's like, he's talking to Troy and he goes, you know, when I was watching you do it, it looked impossible. But then after watching him, like, I know I could do this. Ugh. He's like, uh, and then it, it was funny as he kept going, I, I own my own business. You know, I do construction and, uh, you know, I, I carry lots of boards all day and, and I can do some pull-ups. And, you know, after seeing him do it, I know I could do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there and like, you know, I'm exhausted and I'm trying to untie my knot and I'm just kind of catching little bits in this. And in my head, I'm, I'm like, is this fucking guy really saying this shit? <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm really hearing I know. I know. this <sighs> idiot actually say this shit outside, out, like out loud. And, you know, and I, I, I pride myself on being a very restrained and polite person mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, I have moments where I slip <laughs> up that I'm certainly not proud of. <laughs> but that day I was doing very good. I was doing very, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to let this guy make an ass of himself. I don't, I don't even know this guy's name. You know, I don't need to get upset about the things that he's saying. But then my friends in like awesome fashion, like stood up for me and they're like, you could, like we could set this up as a top rope for you and you wouldn't be able to get to the top. Yeah. Like you would not be able to do what Joe just did on that. And the guy's like, oh no, I know. And they're like, no, you just couldn't. <sighs> like you would not be able to make it to the top of that route. And so then those those idiots, you know, they left. And then and then my friends just kept building me up and like and it was just great that they had my back like that. Mm. But they're like saying this stuff, they're like, like because they kept trying to talk him into doing it. And they're like, hey, come on. We got an extra harness down in the car. You, know, you, you can try this. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, no. I, no, no. You know, he was talking a big game. But then as soon as it was offered, yeah. it was a reality. He had no, he was not going to do it. Yeah, put your money and where your mouth is. That's what my mom would say. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then Troy's like, well, you need to come back and do it. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to. And, uh, and so then like after they leave, they're like, they're like, Joe. If this guy gets a hold of us, you need to take him out for his day of climbing and you need to put him on every easy route out here and you just need to talk about how easy it is the entire way up and then give him no tips at all while he gets slaughtered on all these beginner routes. That's awesome. I, I like, oh, That's so great to have friends like that, right? Like people that like yeah. will stick up for you no matter what. That's That's the best. It, it made me feel pretty good. And I was like, I was like, guys, I love that idea, but I wouldn't want to have to hang out with that idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you have to like spend time with him. <laughs> and, and like resist the urge to just drop him. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, it was an accident. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't let you hit the ground, but how'd that 30 foot ride feel? <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be evil. I would never do that. Oh, my God. I would probably crap my pants if that happened to me. I'm sure I would. Oh, for real. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember my first time ever out when I was actually just hanging on a rope. And, like, I was probably, like, 40 feet up and, like, looking at the ground. And my friends down there looked so tiny. Mm. And I could, could like, the rope was, like, creaking as the knot was cinching slightly tighter. And, like, I was literally holding onto the rope. And like saying like every prayer I could think of, <laughs> like like oh heavenly Father, please forgive my sins because I'm pretty sure I'm about to die. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like I I'm not like I'm not afraid of heights, but when I was listening to you last week talk to Eric about like uh, about climbing, 
I was like, oh my, I was like cringing. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that sounds that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds it exciting, but moments. terrifying. <laughs> it can have its moments. <laughs> Most of the stuff I do, you know, I, I, you know, I got a family I got to come home to at the end of the day, so I try not to push the envelope sure, too much. Of course. But um, we uh, uh, a friend of mine got a line on a new area that was being opened up and it was going to be a public area, which is kind of rare because like 99% of Iowa is privately owned. So the little bits that, that are publicly owned when we can actually get in, in like an official capacity and set it up as a climbing area, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And so we went in and this area was like all the formations were like, they topped out at like the highest it would have been like 20, 25 feet or so. And their only stipulation was we don't want, to see any roped climbing going on here. And we're like, oh, okay, well we can do bouldering. Now bouldering is like a type where there's just like a pad on the ground and you got your friends there that'll stand behind you while you're climbing and they'll have their hands up. So if you fall, basically they're going to like try and hit you like kind of in the shoulder blades mm-hmm. to make it so that they'll kind of upright you in the air so that you'll more or less land on your feet. Like their goal is just kind of keep you from landing on your head. Mm-hmm. It's a good and goal. so I, <laughs> at all times, right? That is a good goal. Don't land on your head. Yeah, it's true. Words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of my friends is like, you know, hey, we should go out and, you know, kind of help develop this area and do some first ascents on these boulders and, you know, get them cleaned up and we'll catalog them and everything. And we'll get them listed on the online database. And then maybe more people will find out about this area and start climbing out there. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I've never really gone out bouldering. I'd primarily done everything just on a rope. But like the training that I do like in my garage or whatever, that's pretty much bouldering. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, and so, you know, like I didn't have any practical experience like actually on real stone, but like I had tons of experience on plastic. And so we go out there and uh, we just start at one end and we just start walking down and just doing every line that we can figure with that we can see. And then we get to a, a formation that's like 20 feet tall, mm-hmm. but it's not overhanging at all. It's it's pretty much just dead vertical to slightly going in, which would be like a, a slab. And so I do this one, <laughs> which uh, it ended up being really, really easy and I made it to the top, no problem. But at the time I was listening to the uh, Eminem, Marshall Mathers mm-hmm. uh, 2 LP. And so he's got this song in there, Survival of the Fittest. <laughs> And so I named this problem Survival of the Fattest because I made it to the top. <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. I love that. <laughs> but then, uh, so I do that one. And then and then my friend Alan, he does the one right next to it. And like, I got to the top of, of mine and I was like, okay, that's as close to the edge as I want to be. I, I did something that was really tall because, I mean, quite honestly, if I had fallen from from up that high, like I could have broken a leg or something sure. like that. You know, if I'd have fallen really bad, I could have broken a neck. And honestly, I got a 150 pound Allen belaying me <laughs> or not even belaying, but spotting me. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was at the top of that, I looked down and he's down there on the ground holding his hands up. Like he's going to hit me. I'm like, dude, I'm going to crush you <laughs> if I fall. Like you we're both going to be dead. If I fall, <laughs> at least you can stand off to the side and call the ambulance. You know? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But he does this one right next to it that like looks a little bit more difficult. Like it's a little bit more dead vertical. Like it, the holds don't look quite as big. And he's like, oh, you got to do it. It's so great. You got to do it. You got to do it. And like, so in in my version of the story is he talks me into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get to the very top of this thing 
and the holds just run out. And I'm in the area where if you fall, it's bad. Oh my god! <laughs> and like, and the, the, there's only way though. You can only go up at that point. Otherwise, you're going to down climb like 20 feet. Mm-hmm. And down climbing's, you know, I mean, it can be kind of freaky. And so I'm like up there and I'm just cursing out Alan. <laughs> <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. You talked me into doing this goddamn boulder problem and I didn't want to do it. And now I'm up here in the no fall zone and I'm going to die. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, I, I ended up just sucking it up and doing it. But um, and then like a year later, um, my wife and I we took the boys out there, and this was before I I guess I guess at the time I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do any sort of roped climbing out there. But I was like, oh, this would be great to take the kids. There are all these little formations, and we can set up a top rope, and they'll have all this fun. And so I set up that specific problem just with a rope on it. And I was just flying up and down it with a rope. And my wife was like, you did this without a rope? Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> And I'm like, I swear I'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, my word. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> that's probably the most scared I've ever been. Mm. Climbing was on the top of that one. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where there's real consequences. But, you know, technically, it's more you're taking more of a risk driving your car to go out to there. You know, you're more likely to be involved in a horrific car accident. Right. Than, than a climbing accident outside. But you know, it's all relative. True. It all depends on, on you know, <laughs> how willing you are to, to like not do you know certain safety checks and stuff. You should do, especially when it involves a rope. But <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, I would imagine like if you're going to be climbing and you have ropes involved, like why wouldn't you double, triple check and make sure everything is. Exactly yeah. where it is supposed to be and in the condition it's supposed to be in. That just seems reasonable <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the amount of times that we've done a double check and I've looked down and been like, because you, your harness has got two loops mm-hmm. that you'll tie your rope through. So there's like a waist loop and then like a, a, another loop down lower that connects to the leg loops of the harness. Mm-hmm. And so you got to you, you run the rope through both of those loops and then tie your knot. And I remember one dude's like, like, all right, I'm good. I'm about to climb. And I look down. I'm like, you've only got your rope through the bottom loop. If you fall, it's going to flip you upside down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're hanging with your head pointing at the ground. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit, I better fix that. I was like, you think? Yeah, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like running, though, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's. But running and climbing, they they kind of go hand in hand because they're both you're on your legs mm-hmm. the whole time. Absolutely, yeah. And and I remember when when I first started climbing, I'd I'd be on a route and my legs would start to get tired, and you'd have this thing happen that they call Elvis leg, because you know you're on your toes and you got your heels up in the mm-hmm. air the whole time. That's almost like I'd imagine it'd be akin to wearing like high heels or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like your calf muscle just start to pump out and then all of a sudden your leg just starts shaking. Oh wow. Uncontrollably. And then but once I got into climb or running and I especially started doing the longer distance running where mm-hmm. for a while there every run like I was running, I don't know, probably like ten to twelve miles a week. But every run would be a three mile run. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the, the Elvis like just disappeared. And I think it was just because I made my calves that much stronger. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. by doing all the running. Your your body um it's called it's called muscle memory. 
Um, when you do a certain task over and over again, whether it's with your hands, your legs, anywhere you have muscles on your body, you, your, your muscle will begin to remember the activity. And so it will become easier and easier and easier because your, your body remembers how to do it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. Like, like the human body is an incredible thing. You can condition it to do pretty much anything, <laughs> pretty much anything. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things of like, I remember the first time I did like, so the, the first time I did like a really long run of like 10 miles, I remember when I, when I finished it, my, um, I, I don't know if I had exactly the same thing as Elvis leg, but it seems pretty close to what I had that I, my, <laughs> my, my thighs and like my hips, I felt like they were like really, really like almost like jello. Like they were very wobbly and yes, I know that. Feeling right. Well okay. Okay. Good. So yeah. And it's like, I had a friend who told me that's, those are your tendons. They're in, they're inflamed. And so you're in pain there. But, um, oh, I've never heard it that way. That makes total sense. I, I didn't know either until she told me that. And I said, and, and this is a, a, another good friend of mine who's also a runner. She's done several half marathons. And she told me, she said, those, those are your tendons. They're inflamed. And that's why you're in so much pain in it and, and they feel all wobbly. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, but I find that, so that, that, that happened after I did, uh, my first few 10 mile runs. And then after a while, I didn't get that anymore. So that when I did the half, um, yeah, believe me, the next day though, the pain was epic. The pain was like <laughs> beyond. I was not prepared for that pain. Yeah, it was, but that, that's also because, you know, you're high on adrenaline. Um, especially like with my, the, the, the first time I did that race, I, it's, it's the longest race I had ever done. And so I was like pumped with adrenaline and, um, I had like, you know, I had like upset stomach. I had the jitters. I had everything. And so, you know, you're basically running on pure adrenaline. I'm sure you have a similar experience like with climbing too. I'm sure there's a lot of adrenaline involved. And so that when that all wears off, your whole body is like, oh God, it's done. And then you just kind of collapse into this heap of quivering tendons. And it's, yeah, the pain is like, <laughs> ugh. Yeah, the, the pain. Lots of a leave. Lots and lots of a leave. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, lots of a leaf. And lots of water, like just to rehydrate or whatever. But yeah, mostly a leaf. <laughs> I think that was the biggest thing that kind of made me start to curtail the amount of run I, running I was doing was that next day. Mm -hmm. Especially with my job, you know, I'm on my feet on concrete a lot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was like... It's like, well, I'm in my 30s, but I'm walking around like I'm in my 70s. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can totally see that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a hard thing to stand on concrete um, for long periods of time. That is, that is tough on your body. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I remember one of the dumbest things I did, and it's even dumber that I did it like three or four times. But that, that nature trail that I mentioned earlier, the Cedar mm -hmm. Valley Nature Trail, mm -hmm. it actually goes right by where I work. And I got it figured out one day. I was like, okay, I'm going to punch out for my lunch break. I'm going to change into my running shoes and I'm going to run to the nature trail. And I'm going to run, basically like I'm going to run to the nature trail and then run as far as I can 
and and once my timer goes off at 15 minutes, I'm going to turn around and run back. Mm -hmm. And so I spent my entire half hour lunch break running. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good idea. Not the best thing. (laughs) No, because then I still had three and a half more hours to go walking around in concrete. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that's, (laughs) that's that's tough. I can't believe I did it more than once. (laughs) Just to be sure it was a bad idea. I did it three times. (laughs) I'd lie to myself, you know, I'm like, no, you, you need to get this run in, Joe. <laughs> no, that was a bad idea is what it was. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I think I feel the same way as you. I find it very hard to exercise or do a run in the middle of the day and then go back to work. Yeah, if you got to go oh. back to work, it's the worst. <laughs> but there there are people who do it. Like there are people who go like to the gym on their lunch break and they they like do a workout and then they go back to work. And I'm like, how do you do that? I either has to be at the beginning of the day for me or at the end of the day. I I just I can't do it in the middle and then go back to work. I'll, I'll be sitting at my desk like, oh my god, gotta take a nap. This is terrible. I'm so tired. <laughs> I think my favorite time to run would be like a morning run. Mm, those are nice. Those are very nice. It's it, it's easiest for me to like change my mind if it's going to be after work. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I because do. I'll get to that point and it's, it's so easy to be like, ah, you know what? You were walking around all day. You hurt. Why go make yourself hurt more? And it's, oh, it's such a silky, seductive voice in your head that chalks you out of exercising. Oh, it's, it's that same voice that in the early morning tells you, you can hit the snooze button one more time. <laughs> it is the same do voice. I, do I really need to brush my hair? I mean... <laughs> skip that a couple extra minutes it's the same voice i know it is the same voice that's this bed is so comfortable um you know the the one of the good things for me is where i work um it's one of the benefits of working in an urban environment the the gym is only four blocks from my job so i have i when when i'm getting ready for work in the morning i i i pack my gym bag and I'm, I'm packing everything in there. So I have literally no excuse to not go because I've already brought all my stuff with me. I'm already carrying it around. And I, the, the gym is only four blocks away. I can be there in less than five minutes. I have zero excuse to go straight home. And so you kind of have to like, you have to psych yourself. I, I have to psych myself out because I, I have that same voice too that says, you know, you could go home and just watch Netflix and catch up on Supergirl or whatever. And you can just, that same voice. And it's like, shut up, voice. We're going to the gym first. Then we can watch Supergirl. <laughs> Oh man, speaking of Supergirl. Yeah. Um I'm uh, so behind. Uh, I'm so behind, but Oh, yeah. I ju- I just finally started the Mr. and Mrs. uh Mixoplex and I know I didn't say that correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the episode I'm on, okay. so yeah, I'm still a couple episodes behind. Uh, too. Yeah, I've had a hard time keeping up with the C- I love the CW shows. I really do. Um I did I'm a, I saw the first half of the of the Flash Gorilla Grodd episode. I saw the first part. That was pretty cool. I haven't watched anything after that. And then, um, I mean, yeah, I, I do like them. It's just I I run out of time. You know, by the time I get home. Oh, I can feel I'm sure you, you know. I mean, you you have a family, so you have more responsibilities than I do. But I by the time I get home, I usually get home and the episode's half over on TV. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch half an episode. I don't know what's going on. So I always yeah. think, okay, I'll just watch it tomorrow on the CW app. And 
then tomorrow comes and then um, I get busy doing stuff and then it's like, oh, I meant to watch the show and but I'm so tired now. I just want to go to sleep. And then before you know it, weeks go by and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on now. And I'm <laughs> so I have like lots to catch up on. But th- those are awesome shows. I love those shows. I love, I love all of them. Yeah, I totally agree. They're uh, in, you know, I think they're talking about adding a fifth one in also. Is it, uh, is it? Uh, Black Lightning. And so I don't know if it'll actually tie in oh. with the other ones, but that's pretty cool. Okay, okay. I had I had something about Constantine show, or was that on Netflix? Or am I making that up? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I know Constantine. I think they're doing like an animated one on like the CWC app. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, maybe that's what I had heard then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, like I think you're probably more of a DC fan than I am. Um, I'm I'm definitely a Marvel fan. I'm a big Marvel fan, but I do like the DC shows. Not such a huge fan of the DC movie universe, but I do like the shows. <laughs> I, I am a big I am a big fan of, of the Marvel universe, though. Uh, I love all the Marvel movies. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I could yammer on about that for three hours. But yeah, I, I love I love the Marvel <laughs> movies for sure. Uh, DC was probably like my first love mm-hmm. because yeah, I mean like the 1989 Batman was like that was my jam. Oh, that's a great movie. That's yeah, a, that's an and, awesome movie. Michael Keaton was yeah. great as Batman. That was it was yeah it was a pretty you know and that was the one that really turned the corner too where it was like ooh this is like kind of dark mm-hmm. and ah oh, he's like, he's just kicking ass and so yeah I mean that that really made me you know cement my love as batman mm-hmm. as my favorite character I, I, and then i still say it's the only movie where we've gotten detective batman it's the only movie i would say that you're yeah you're probably right i mean i can't i mean he does the most amount of detective work in that than any other one i mean what does he do in batman v superman he flips tires over wow that's great you want your detective like <laughs> that's it's like batman does crossfit <laughs> doing crossfit uh yeah i i that, that's why i loved um the 1989 because that was like the world's greatest detective we saw that we saw him figure out the joker's combination of products you know like that, that, was, that was the great. that was the exact scene i was thinking i love that too. scene yeah where he hands um where he hands kim basinger the the folder and he's like here's the combination you know and then they're announcing on the news you know don't wear deodorant with perfume and blah 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 and all that and then yeah it's awesome and uh, so, yeah, that, that movie definitely was what, you know, because I, I, I watched the, the, the original, like, 1966 Batman a lot growing up. Mm, I did, too, but, actually. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that, that, that Tim Burton, yeah, no shit. <laughs> the shark, the shark repellent Oh, my God. Don't, listen, don't talk smack about the shark repellent because. Yeah, they did redeem that. In I know, Batman. they I'll did. That was that. very funny. You never know, though. It could save someone's life. I would get some Batman shark repellent just in case. Just saying. Just in case. Carry it with you at all times. Uh, sharks are one of my irrational fears. You know, growing up in Iowa, I have no reason to be afraid of sharks. Oh, but- yes. The famous cornfield Iowa sharks that I've heard so much about. Okay. Oh no. You want to hear how rational and stupid I get with it? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> okay. So there's, there was more than one time when I was younger where me and my friends would be out like swimming in a farm pond, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like maybe 20 feet deep. 
about that. We're, tre- we're treading water and like, you know, and I'm like looking down and it's crystal clear water and I can like see my toes as I'm treading water. And all of a sudden I just picture this gray and white shape coming up from below <laughs> and biting me in half. And all of a sudden I can't shake that image oh and then I'll God. just freak out and just turn tail and just start swimming as hard as I can for the shore. And of course all my friends know why I'm doing right, this. Right, right. And so as I'm swimming away as hard as I can, they're laughing. They're like, ah, Joe's thinking about sharks. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, I actually live by the ocean. So I mean, <laughs> if anyone should be afraid of sharks, it's me. I live off the Atlantic ocean. <laughs> I have I have reason to have fear of sharks. Not you. I've, I've never even seen the ocean. Oh my word! Stop. But you know what? I've seen Jaws a million times. Okay. Jaws was not in Iowa, Joe. Just FYI, it sure, was. it, it sure wasn't. But I did. I, I I called it irrational fear. Okay. Okay. I didn't say true. that it you had any base that. in reality. You did say that at the beginning. Okay. You're allowed. I'll send you some Batman shark repellent. I'll buy it on Amazon for you or something. I guarantee they sell it. It's probably just Axe body spray. And really, it's just like lady repellent. <laughs> yeah, you've got that right. It's definitely lady repellent. <laughs> but, but yeah, back, back to Batman. Yeah, yes, yes. Bat- sorry, Batman, yes. Go on. <laughs> um, um, w- when I saw Batman Begins, I was like, okay, I really like that this is an origin story, but uh, you know, how much is this, how much of this is accurate to the comics? Mm-hmm. And so then, um, you know, I went to Barnes and Noble and I go and look in their graphic novel section and they've got a shitload of Batman books. And so I just start picking up all these different Batman books. And I think the first one mm-hmm. I got was probably The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. And then uh, I ended up picking up more and more and more of them. And, and then when um, – uh, this would have been last – it had definitely been sometime in 2016. But I remember I heard it mentioned on Pop Culture Leftovers and uh, the Joe Schmo comic show. They talked about um, DC Universe Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. They're, they're starting over and, you know, they're kind of – starting over with all new number ones and all these, maybe I could get in on the ground floor and start to learn more about a lot of these other characters. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them I had known peripherally just because they'd show up in different Batman books. Right. And, uh, and, and then, you know, with love and the different CW shows, I was like, okay, I got to definitely get the flash. And, and so then, yeah, I started just getting all these different, different rebirth books and I was totally geeking out on DC characters. But I, I think like, Oh, and and then I had to. I uh, got to the point where I was really balling out of control, and I was just getting way too many comic books. And I was oh, like, God, okay, yeah. I I can't keep up with reading this many storylines. I just can't. It just doesn't work into my budget. Tell me about. <laughs> and so I, I started a whole bunch of rebirth books, and because like you, I was like, okay, like these are rebirth. These are new. I want to see like what they're going to do with the story. And then of course, you know, you get all excited and you want to read everything that comes out. And then you just, you know, you have to pick and choose. And you have to say, okay, I can't obviously, like, spend this much money on comic books. So I'm going to have to wait for trades on some of these. And then, you know, the other ones you just, you know, you pick a few that you're going to keep up with. Yeah, and that's where I went to also. I was like, all right, there's some of these where I'm just going to drop off of. I'm going to wait till the trade comes out. (laughs) And, you know, a trade fits nicely on my bookshelf. And I'm a lunatic. I can't just have comic books. They've got to be in bags and boards. And I'm going (laughs) to treat them like they're fucking made of gold. (laughs) 
Take all the freaking fun out of reading it. But but you're preserving. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. You're you're preserving them. Like if your kids exactly. want them one day, or if you, I don't know, one day you decide to sell it or something, they'll be in really great condition. So yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah I, I I get that. I I'm definitely like a hands on person. So like. My my comic books are not as protected as they probably should be, <laughs> but I I uh, yeah I but I have total respect for everyone that does it because it's how you're supposed to do it I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I suppose that really matters. You know, maybe if you're planning on selling it someday, mm-hmm. or if you know, I mean, I I suppose there's nothing wrong with just wanting your stuff to look as new as possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it's yeah, kind of taking pride that. in your collection absolutely, or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. But um, there, there's a couple Marvel books I'm reading, and there there were more. And really, quite honestly, some of them I ended up falling off of just because Marvel's release schedule seems to be so it's so wacky. Okay. It's all over yeah. the place. It's so it's it's all over the place. I have no idea what's going on with Marvel comic books. I they're like revealing storylines in one book that relate to another book, but that hasn't come out yet. And it's like, okay, thanks because you spoiled that for me. That was nice. <laughs> What's that? I know Jordan was telling oh, me about yeah. some oh, of that God. stuff Jordan too, and was I was so like, "Oh, pissed. that is really frustrating." <laughs> Jordan was so upset. Yeah, I know. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's so funny because like as much as I love the Marvel universe, I really feel like DC has superior comic books right now. Um, and I and DC has superior. Well, yeah, I would say they also have the superior um, animated movies as well. Um, I, I, I've seen some of the Marvel animated movies and they're like, eh, but the DC- They're really not as good. They're not. Like, I just saw one recently. I think Joe Vitale was talking about it too that he saw. It was like, like the kids of, of, of the original, not the original, but it was like the kids of the Avengers. So it was like, it takes place in the future and it's like, you know- Oh, you- yeah, the the one where like Iron Man is like a teenager. In- no, no, this is actually different. So this this takes place. It's like in the future, like Iron Man is older. So it's basically like basically it's like the Avengers eliminated like all the problems, right? And they decided to like retire. So like Steve Rogers married Natasha Romanoff, and they had a kid, and then. Uh, Black Panther had a kid and they, they all had uh, the Wasp and uh, Ant-Man had a kid. And then um, Ultron came back and he killed like all the Avengers. Like he killed Captain America and he killed uh, all these Avengers, leaving their kids basically orphans. Just like terrible. So t- I know. Where was Joe talking about this? I totally missed I, it. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I think Joe was talking about the one that you were just talking about where like Iron Man was a adult. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe Vitale. I'm sorry. Um, but no, th- this was a different I was like, one. I was, like, I, know. I was like, this sounds crazy. How I did I miss this? And I, I, I watched it like on cable, like on, on demand. I'm like, oh, a Marvel movie animated. Ooh, it was like um, Avengers, the next generation. I don't know. Something like that. And I'm watching, I'm like, this is terrible. Steve Rogers is dead? What the hell? Thor is dead? What? Like, I was so upset. And then, like, basically, Tony has been taking care of these kids. He's had them, like, sequestered. Um, and he's, he's been raising them, um, keeping them safe from Ultron. And Ultron's wreaking havoc. And then, 
somehow the kids escape and then there's these robots who look like the image. It was very convoluted and I did not like it at all. And it was terrible. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. I would much rather watch a DC animated movie. And I mean, it like kills me to say that, but it, I would rather watch a DC uh... animated movie <laughs> because they, they're, they're just better. Like the animated movies are just better. Uh, I mean, it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. But you know, I finally got around to watching Justice League Dark last night. Did you like it? I I, I saw it too. Did, what did you think of it? Um, they definitely weren't shitting when they said dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that was one of the darkest animated movies that I've seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If from from DC. Like just with the content. I mean, just the way it starts off with the lady thinking that she's seeing demons everywhere, and oh, so she's yeah. running them down. It's like, oh my goodness, and then. Like, uh, it just it did have lots of really se- scenes in it where you're just like holy cow like if this were in a movie like or you know if this were in a live action movie i don't know if they'd get away with the pg-13 mm-hmm. rating like they did in the in the in the cartoon yeah. or the animated you know i i watched it too but i felt like the plot was very convoluted i didn't really oh yeah I, i'd agree with you but there. then again too to be totally fair i don't know a lot about these characters i don't know a lot about constantine or dead man i don't know these characters very well um, so that could have something to do with it, but I just found the plot to be incredibly convoluted. I didn't know what was going on half the time. And then when there was about half an hour left of the movie, I was like, why is this movie not over yet? I want this movie to be done. I want it to be finished. <laughs> um, and I also, I felt like the title was kind of misleading. It was called Justice League Dark, but it was really more Batman. Like it was like all Batman, which is fine, but don't call it Justice In- League. I thought it was going to be more well- Justice League. <laughs> Yeah, and did did they call it Justice League Dark just because it's a team up of superheroes and you know they they're more dealing with magic and they're dealing mm-hmm. with the dark side of things. Yeah. But you know, you generally when you hear the words Justice League, you're going to think of you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, yeah. Flash, you know, maybe Cyborg. The Justice League. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, they're in it like a little. They were in no, it. I, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, they were in it like in the very beginning, and then they were not in it for everything else, and then they were in it at the very end. And I was just like, huh, I don't know why this movie's called Justice League, because it's not really Justice League. It's Batman and Friends, like, and, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, I just, I felt like the title was a little misleading. It was, it was okay. It wasn't my favorite of, of the, of the DC movies, but. Um, it was yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that assessment. It was enjoyable too. for sure, especially like the last two fight scenes were like were pretty cool. Oh yeah, like it, it was. I like the way that they they show all the magic and stuff. Mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. You know, kind of like the big circle, whatever, with all the crazy lines, and it shows up, and that's kind of what the spell comes up. That's yeah. kind of neat, neat way of visualizing something that is you know completely imaginary. Yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, Okay, it wasn't like my favorite of the DC animated movies I've seen, but it it was it was good. It was good. What would be your favorite of the DC ones? Oh, I just saw one recently. Um, oh god, what the heck is it called? Um, it's the one where I'm so bad with remembering names. Uh, it's the it's the one where Batman like comes out of retirement because it seems like the Joker's come back. Oh. That means Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that that that's the one. Uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, Returns. and it and it's like a really big, like beefy looking Batman. He's got yeah, like yeah, and big he's, square um, jaw. And, yeah, um, and uh, the uh, it's it's a girl that's d- that comes in to play Robin. 
Yes, yes. There's a girl that comes in to be like his new Robin. And yep, yep. um Yeah, that's that's an excellent story. That it's was, like that's like a classic, like that's the Dark Knight Returns. That's Frank Miller from like the eighties. That was oh my gosh. That I think that was presented on on demand as like a two parter. And yep, uh yep. I remember like I said, Oh, okay, DC animated. Oh, I'm I okay, I'll watch this. And I watched the first part. I was like, Oh my god, I have to watch the second part right now. Like it was it was so incredible. <laughs> that one It's a cool story. I, I really enjoyed that. Actually what I watched that one like fairly recently ish, like in the last couple of months. Um that one was really good. I have not seen the killing joke, only because I've heard so much negativity about it. I kind of I haven't of, seen that one I yet. I feel like I don't really want to watch it right now, but uh yeah that one is i i have a real problem with rape scenes oh yeah well i do too (laughs) and 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 so when whenever like somebody's like if i find out that a movie has a scene like that in it i generally just won't watch it and you know i don't i i remember watching an unsolved mysteries when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and like a, a lady was talking about she was on like a canoe trip or something like that with her son and some some guys came by and like you know it it went that way oh, and it gosh. was in front of her kid and oh. stuff and i remember seeing that when i was a little kid and even as a as a kid not really even understanding what sex was or anything like that i was just like this is absolutely horrible like just deplorable behavior and i don't know when it when it whenever it's in a movie it's like it's horrible enough that it happens in real life mm-hmm. and i don't want to see that shit in like the fiction that I watch. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just, it, I, I tend to just avoid that stuff. There's a lot of movies that I've just not watched because right. somebody's told me that it has a scene like that. And it's like, no, I'm just, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that there's some things that once, you know, you see it, you don't unsee it. And in, in, I just don't need that sort of shit rattling around in yeah, my brain. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. I, I completely appreciate that. I, I feel, I mean, I, I feel like when it comes to things like that, um, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. I think I, I certainly don't want to watch things like that. Um, I, I think if it's part of the story in the sense of it helps you understand a character, I mean, then I guess it just depends for me, like if I feel comfortable watching it. But I feel like rape culture has, it's been perpetrated so much and so like if, if you go back and watch like a lot of like say older movies, there'll be a lot of like very rapey things that happen to women where at the time maybe it was considered okay or not so bad. Whereas today we would say, oh my God, that's totally unacceptable. And I I, I don't want to get like all political and stuff, but I mean, it's, it's something that obviously as a woman, it, it's an issue that it means something to me too. Like it, it's something that all, all women have to have to live with, have to, it's a fear that we have. Yeah. It is just a sad reality. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take such a dark turn, but, um, it's, <laughs> well, I, I think I was the one who actually brought it up with yeah. the joke on why I haven't yeah. watched it. No, it's just, <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking yeah. too. Like the whole time, I'm like, why are you going down this road? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's like, well, this is my opinion. Yeah, I'll put it out there. no, no, that, that's as fine. Though, as though anybody would like argue that opinion. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no. you kid. Well, I suppose that one neighbor I used to have would. Oh my god! God, what a creep! Oh god, total creep. 
Total, total creep. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, imagine sharing a property line with that oh, guy after having that conversation. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about neighbor problems, though. I mean, here in New York, I mean, we, you just got neighbors everywhere. And it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I could totally appreciate that. You know, you have one weird conversation and then you're like, oh, my God, I have to live next to you now? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, wait, sorry. Going back to, like, DC movies, what did you think of, like, the Batman Nolan trilogy with uh, Christian Bale? Did you like those at all? Uh, as they went on, I liked them less and less. Mm-hmm. But – but I, that's also not an apt description because I also did like The Dark Knight the best of them. Oh, yeah. But it, it is the best. Yeah. <laughs> but there were things about The Dark Knight I didn't like because they were, they had that clever little line where it was – he he goes and tells um, uh, uh, his tech guy that, you know, he needs to be able to – they need to do something better with the cowl because he can't turn his neck. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's – that's never an issue in the comics because it's just purely drawn characters, but I could see how that would be difficult to try and transform to the, the screen. At least at that time, it didn't seem to be a problem in Batman mm-hmm. v Superman. Right. But, and, and then you had motorcycle helmet Batman in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's like, Oh, I don't like that. Um, uh, as, as it went on, I liked him talking in his gruff voice less and less. Oh my God. Thank um, you. I, by the last movie, I was like, do you want like a cough drop? Are you okay in there? What is wrong Re-cola. with you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like almost a joke. It's like, it's so terrible. Oh, it's like, oh Where's God. the trigger? Oh my God. It's like. You wouldn't give it to an average citizen. What is this? Didn't, didn't he sound like congested by the last movie? Like he was like he was like, oh no, I have to blow my nose. Like he sounded all congested to me. What a weird interpretation. I mean, at least in Batman v Superman, like he used like the voice modulator. So you go, yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, that makes sense. You're not just making a voice. I it makes sense what you're doing there. Not Christian Bale, who's I don't know what he's doing, but is weird. Yeah, I I like the intensity that he brought as Batman, mm-hmm. but overall, like when you see, like those those like internet pictures that you'll see of like all the different Batman lined up together, and it's like, oh look at toothpick Batman. Yeah, he's gonna be a threat. <laughs> yeah, I know but, you, you know, I'm also used to seeing him drawn in the comics where he's just you know like, you know, and he'd have to be a big muscular dude to be able to hold yeah. his own the way that he does, and you know. You know, I'm not saying that skinny guys can't pack a punch because, you know, if you follow MMA at all, look at Conor McGregor. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's kind of a little guy, but he's got like that one punch power. But it's like, I, yeah, I, I appreciated <laughs> the Nolan movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've talked to plenty of people that are like, you know, oh, the Nolan Batman, that's my Batman. Sure. And I look at him and I'm like, that's not technically Batman. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, would you consider him in those movies as like a detective? And they're like, no. And I'm like, so you wouldn't definitely wouldn't consider him the world's greatest detective. No. And I'm like, okay, then they failed to show you what Batman is. Because exactly. at, at its heart, Batman is a detective. Yes. He's the world's greatest detective in the comics. Absolutely. And that to me is like, and I'm not even like that big of a DC fan, but like to me, that's got to be frustrating to like real DC fans to not see that. 
you know, on, on screen, like, what, why can't you show us that? Because that's what Batman is. Like, why can't we have some, some detective work that so we could see like the character really come to life? And, and that's where I get most excited moving forward, even though, you know, I mean, I could pick out plenty of things that I'm not all that thrilled about with the, the way that the DCEU is going right now. Sure. But the one thing that makes me excited is that the reports that Jeff Johns is actually in there writing stuff or like helping them. That is very exciting. That's, do stuff that's because very good. Yeah. That guy is a human DC encyclopedia. For sure. Yeah. And, it, and if they take him seriously, it ought to work out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, I agree. That's, that's awesome. Like to have someone like him involved. Um, yeah. Cause I would, I mean, like I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see Wonder Woman because there's not many, there's not many female superheroes. There just aren't. And so she's like probably one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic. I mean, she's right up there with like Supergirl. So for me to see a Wonder Woman movie and like to see a movie that takes her seriously, I'm very excited about this, but I'm also like deathly afraid it's going to be terrible and I don't want it to be terrible. I want it to be awesome and I want it to be amazing and I want her to kick ass and I want her to be, I want her to be Wonder Woman and I want the story to make sense and I want, I want it to be a good story and that's all I really want. I think that's all any of us comic book fans want. We just want, tell us a good story. And yeah, that's damn yeah, right. Yeah, tell yeah, us a good story. Something that's story. engaging. Yeah. Something when it's over, w- when that movie's over, we want to just stay right in that seat and just wait for the next yep. showing to start. Exactly. Because that's really what they need to succeed because that's where Avengers succeeded mm-hmm. in all these other yeah. Marvel uh, MCU movies is that people didn't just go to the movies and see it once. They went and saw it a bunch of times. Can, can I just tell you, I saw Civil War in the theater probably five or six times. I, I, awesome. I do not, I don't normally see a movie more than once in the theater. It's just not who I am. Like I'll see it once and I'll be like, wow, that was, that was really cool. That was an awesome movie. And then I'll wait for it to come out on DVD or Blu-ray. I saw Civil War five times in the theater because I just, I couldn't stop watching it. And it was like, I think I went, I went one time. It was like almost probably was like the last couple of days it was in the theater. And I went on a whim just to watch it. And you know what? There were a lot of people in that theater. A lot of people. It wasn't just like me and one other guy. It was a lot of people in that theater seeing this movie and it had been in the theater for a long time already. And that's because at its core, you know, civil war is a, it's a family drama. That's what civil war is. Like, these are people who love each other like a family who are having a family argument and you believe that's, that's dramatic. That's engaging. Who doesn't understand a family argument? Everyone understands what that is. And these are people who loved each other like brothers and sisters, and they were on opposite sides of a huge issue. And what else could they do, but get upset with each other and fight with each other. But at the end of the day, I still love you because we're family that's a that's a good story. That's a relatable human story. It it is. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it just is. I mean, even like um, Winter Soldier, which is pro- it's still is my favorite Marvel movie. Winter Soldier is still a good story of 
you know, two childhood friends who are separated tragically, who find each other again, again, on opposite sides. And you have this man, you have Steve Rogers questioning his loyalty to a government and an agency that he's thought he could trust implicitly. And now he's being made to question everything he truly believes in. And will I give it all up? Will I continue just to follow orders blindly? Or will I think for myself? That's a good story. <laughs> it's, and I, I walked into Batman v Superman wanting to see a good story. And I did not, I didn't get it. I just didn't. No. And, and I, and I, I know. <laughs> it was not a good uh, story. And right? I wanted one. I really did. Like, who doesn't want to see Batman and Superman fighting each other? That's awesome. That's epic. Who doesn't want to see that? And I didn't get that. <laughs> I just didn't. And I was like, okay, well, that's something. <laughs> I mean, or even like Suicide Squad. I was so excited for Suicide Squad. I was like, oh man, it's going to be like the best movie. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to watch this movie. And again, I walked out going, what was that? What just happened in there? Uh, what, what? Like, I don't understand half of what I just saw in there. And it's, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> No, I totally agree. Yeah, I don't mean to I, be like a DC hater because I do love a lot of DC. Oh, I, I, I don't I do. think you're being a DC hater. I think you're being a realist. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> 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 well, on, on that note, we should probably wrap this up. Oh, this yeah, is getting pretty late. Yeah, I have to go to work tomorrow. So I guess I should I guess wrap this up because I could talk about DC and Marvel all night, but yeah. <laughs> No, no, the, the, yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I would love to have you on again. Oh, you really? Like, and, you want me to yammer on for three, four hours about all kinds of stuff? I will do it. I could talk. I could talk about anything all night. I yes, really please. <laughs> I really could. <laughs> I was always that like kid in school. And it was like, oh, Rebecca's so nice. Rebecca's so lovely. Rebecca's this. But Rebecca sure does talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> i'm the same way i am the same way <laughs> yeah but at least you have that like smooth jazz voice you know smooth jazz with joe stark that, that has been the funniest response from this podcast <laughs> it just cracks me up or one guy at work was like i like i got there and like he just came up and he like gave me five uh-huh. and he's like he's like dude I listen to your podcast, and he goes, in your voice, wow, man, wow. And I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and now you've made it weird. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, no, that's always a good thing. You know, it's always nice to hear something positive about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Even something you never expected to hear in your True. life. <laughs> I'll take it, though, you know. it's Anything's better than being called an asshole, right? <laughs> I got that right. <laughs> uh, well, Rebecca, this has been absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you so and, much for having me on. I had a blast. <laughs> I, I had a wonderful time chatting with you. It was great. Oh, me too. <laughs> Thank you.
That was so much fun getting to talk to Rebecca. And wow, did we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> you know, and uh, we recorded this in the evening. And if it hadn't been getting so late, I'd have talked to her for three more hours easily. <laughs> so uh, it goes without saying, I'm really looking forward to having her on the show again. Uh, if you liked what you heard here today, uh, hop on iTunes and leave me a review for uh, the show. That'd be awesome. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about any of the subjects we talked about here, you can check out my Facebook page. That is Starkcast, all one word, S-T-A-R-K-C-A-S-T. And uh, it's an easy way to get a hold of me through there as well. But if you'd rather send me an email, you can send one to starkcastpod at gmail.com. Um, so once again, I would like to thank Rebecca for taking time out of her schedule to be on the show and, uh, stay up so late on a work night. <laughs> and I'd like to thank you all for listening as well. So until next time, this has been Starkcast. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go yet. <laughs> I've got exciting news. Uh, I'm going to be starting up, um, another podcast here. And I'm going to be a co-host with my friend Jordan from the Supercast. And we are combining forces and we are coming up with the Comic Cast. Um, We're going to be discussing all, damn near all the books that are coming out. (laughs) It feels like that anyway. Uh, There's a shitload of titles between um, mostly Marvel and DC. um, But we are going to be reading some image titles as well. And we'll be having sections of the show where we discuss paperback trades as well. And uh, the majority of the trades I read these days are Image. So Image Comics will definitely come up in there. But um, this is going to be a perfect show for the person that is that is interested in what's going on in the comics. But you know maybe doesn't have the time, uh, the money, or the, the inclination to actually have a weekly pull list and keep up with all these different titles. But uh, Jordan and I do. <laughs> And uh, we read a lot of books, and we want to tell you about what's going on in these books. And uh, this show is going to be really spoilery, so you know if 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 you don't like spoilers, the comic cast isn't going to be for you. But but we're gonna re- we're gonna we're gonna read all these books. We're gonna break them down, just spoil the shit out of them, tell you exactly what happens, and it'll be a great way for you to keep up with the comics, even if you can't read them. And if you are reading them, then um, you'll you'll have a better idea what we're talking about. But uh, that's that's gonna be coming up pretty soon from uh, from me and Jordan. That'll be the comic cast. I I just can't wait. It's gonna be so much fun. I had a blast recording that episode with Jordan uh, back at the beginning of the start cast, and uh, him and I seriously text like constantly <laughs> about all these different books we're reading. And uh, so this will actually save my thumbs a lot of work, and then I'll be able to just uh, get these thoughts out. <laughs> uh, talking to them rather than texting about it. But uh, there'll be more details of that to come, and you know, we'll have a Facebook page and uh, uh, email and uh, uh, fucking Twitter. Fucking Twitter. <laughs> all that, all that. Soon to come, and uh, more details will follow. And uh, I hope you guys want to check that one out too. Okay, this is really the end now. <laughs> Goodbye.